Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And, and we, we caught, caught up, up on, on cinema. cinema. Uh, yes, we went and saw Predator 2018 before it was pulled from the very last theater in the uh, area we live in. Yeah, funny story. <laughs> um, we attempted to go to our local theater, um, you know, expecting that a movie that's been out for what, like three weeks? If that. Would still be there. Uh, it was not. <laughs> so we had to uh, take a little road trip early in the morning. On a uh, Saturday. On a Saturday to go see this uh, not-so-great movie in a mostly empty theater in a in a place far, far away. <laughs> I was expecting to be the only ones in there, for sure. Oh, like, yeah. No, I was ready for it. In fact, you were talking about bringing a notebook and everything and just, like, maybe having your light on. And just... Not my light, but I was like, I'm going to take the notebook and just take notes while we're watching it. And thank goodness I didn't because I definitely had a few eye rolls uh, and some... Ugh. Yeah, there were a couple... Ugh. <laughs> Audible just moans and oh, groans. We, we will get to them, yeah. Okay. So... Predator 20, The Predator 2018, directed by and written by Shane Black and his uh, on-again, off-again writing partner, Fred Decker. Um, yeah. I mostly know him for a, a little movie called uh, Night of the Creeps. Not seen it. Um, it's a solid little zombie movie. It's a, so, it's a solid zombie alien movie. Um, okay. I, I mentioned it before when we did our Predator Masterclass. Uh, recording oh yes and we are doing this um in addition to the master or the predator master class yeah uh, so this is this is an addendum to the predator master yeah. class <laughs> just slide it in there at the end but yeah um you we we started the predator master class off with a a ranking correct and you asked me in the car on the drive home where would you rank this yeah. and me personally i think i gotta put it at the bottom I honestly think that it, how we saw it, yes, it goes directly to the bottom. Um, as far as, are we including AVP and AVP two? I think we did last time. So we yeah, did. let's let's factor those in too. Yeah, I think that Requiem is still better than this movie. Um, I don't know about AVP. I you know now that you mentioned it, if we're including the AVP movies, I might put this a notch above AVP because yeah, I hated AVP. I've seen it twenty times, but try to rewatch it now. Uh uh-uh. uh. I mean, they're they're like equal in terms of stupidity, but yes. at least this one had gore going. Gore. It yes. had some violence. It had, it had violence. It had for... violence and a like legit sense of humor about it. So it had entertainment value. Whereas AVP, it's just everything about it's just so flat. Did it have better? Well, no. I was gonna say, did it have better actors? But no, I think there was just one no. bad actor in this one that was. Well, you're, you're somewhat biased. I'm but. not that biased. <laughs> if she were dating Matthew Stafford, you could you would have a yeah, oh yeah you're just mad she's dating Matthew Stafford, not Aaron Rodgers anymore. Yeah, um, <laughs> Mr. Kyle here is a a bit of a Packers fan. Yeah, I am. Um, we didn't do so well this weekend. Sorry to hear that. Man. That's okay. <laughs> Actually, it was just it was just our kicker, but that's fine. He had a, he had an off day. It, you know, early in the season. It, you know, it happens. It you, happens. you gotta shake off the ring rust. You know, yeah, get back on that horse. Damn lions. Damn. <laughs> Okay, so should we just go through, like, I, I definitely went back through my brain and went through the plot and went chronologically from what I remember. Um, I'm sure you definitely will remember more things than I did, um, but I just wrote down what I could remember. Okay, well, you want to just try to go through it front to back and, and piece it together as we go? Yes. Or, or, or are there, like, specific points you want there to get right off the There are definitely specific points along the way um, and some thoughts. Uh <laughs> 
I watched this movie and had thoughts. So, okay, so first things first. Spoiler alerts. We're going to go through the whole thing. Uh, And there's no big surprises in this movie. So if you do listen to this and haven't seen the movie, you can still watch it and make your your own opinion. That's kind of what's funny about it. There there are surprises, but they kind of come out with a whimper and and go with a fart. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, this is fairy dust. (laughs) It's a whistle. It's It's a wazzle. It's fugazi. Yeah, it's a fugazi. Um... (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there are revelations that get dropped just kind of offhand that you were in the toilet for one of them. <laughs> yeah, I was. that was the one I wanted to hear, too. I'm like, this seems like a good time to pee. Uh, but did not. you miss anything, though? No. Exactly. I, yeah, I didn't miss anything. So we both went into this. I went into this optimistic. Yeah. I was wanting this to be good. I was expecting it to be good. Um, trailers aside, I thought that, you know what? I've been fooled by trailers before. Mm-hmm. And like Prometheus, I think the trailer was... Was was hyping the movie more than it was going to be good, and I'll 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 agree with that. Yes, I still like Prometheus, but I do think that the trailer, the movie doesn't do the trailer justice. Well, I mean, to my own little personal narrative coming into this one, like marketing is a hell of a thing when it comes to movies. It can really shape your your perception of what's to come. And for me, early trailers, I was very lukewarm about this. I was kind of nervous about it i didn't think much of it and then and then the red band trailer came out like a couple weeks before it came out and they they did the punisher warzone thing where they show like every bloody instance in the movie yeah and it kind of ruins the purpose of going it does where it's like if you're going to a gory gory action film you're going to see the gory action but if you've already seen the gory visuals why are you going and to me that reeked of desperation because the the early the early buzz about the movie was that the tone was confused. Mm-hmm. That if if just you just, if you just eyeball the cast, you can tell the you tone can tell the tone is going to be a little off the wall because there's a lot of very talented comedic actors in this movie, and they do their job very well in a predator movie. In a predator movie, a franchise that started with probably one of the least funny movies of all time. <laughs> but it's so you have that. And then you have this last trailer that tosses all the funny out the window in favor of all the blood. And it's like, okay, what are we doing here? We just we just took the audience for two separate rides. Mm-hmm. And what? how are they supposed to feel when they get to the theater? And the answer is that that marketing campaign was actually very accurate. If Keegan, Okay, so if Keegan-Michael Key is in your movie, it's going to be a funny movie. There's going to be a lot of humor in it because he is a very, very funny guy. And yeah. he's front and like he's like when you see him in the trailer, you're like, oh, this is gonna be funny. Like, oh, yeah. there's definitely. No, some I mean, I, I mentioned on the Predator Masterclass, like the first thing I remember hearing about this movie was Shane Black's making it. Second thing though was a uh, a publicity photo, like just a promotional image of the core cast, mm-hmm. including the little boy Jacob Tremblay, in a like a yellow rain slicker. And like all the all the main characters in the movie were all lined up, and it was just like a studio photo, and you could see all these faces, and you're like, "That's the guy from Key and Peele." Mm-hmm. It's like that's the former Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like I like these guys. That's Tommy Jane. Yeah, that's Tom Jane. Um, just real quick, I looked up a couple of things, uh, just trying to go back and remember. So I looked at IMDb, Wikipedia, just trying to remember um, the story. All like maybe I maybe I would. I remember the story, but I'm like, just little details that I might have forgotten about. Trying to remember the story for something he saw 48 hours ago? Yeah, nearly. Uh, I had 
I had some drinks. Oh, yes. Well, there was there was football. <laughs> yeah, we, we we met. I met with some friends that are actually moving to uh, to Boise on Saturday, so we we all went out and uh, watched some football. I didn't go hard. I was in bed by eight thirty actually. <laughs> um, but okay, so according to Wikipedia, the box office gross before they pulled it, I guess Saturday from the theater from was, major theaters. Yeah, from major theater worldwide, it made one hundred twenty three million um, with a budget for advertising and production at two hundred eight million. Yeah, no, it was a heavily promoted film. Uh, but it seems like the production budget was about $88 million, if I'm not mistaken. That was what, what I read. That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, look at the cast. Like, they're... Everybody... I can't knock the actors in this film for the most part. Everybody did a pretty solid job. Mm-hmm. But none of them are really big-name stars. Well, I mean, actually, the I'd say that the biggest-name star... The second-biggest-name star would be Tom Jane. I think... Uh, Boyd Holbrook is a bigger name now. Um, now, now, like as of this moment. <laughs> I, that was the uh, one other interesting thing I wanted to bring up is um, Boyd Holbrook's character was actually from, according to IMDb, was supposed to be played by Benicio del Toro, um, but he was replaced due to scheduling conflicts. Okay, tinfoil hat moment. There you go. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, so oftentimes when actors are placed in like big, big, big studio productions, um, it's not a one one shot deal. Mm-hmm. A lot of times uh, it's like a multi film contract. So it's like Benicio signed up with Disney. Benicio belongs to Disney for X number of days out of the year. It's like Vegas, man. He's owned by Vegas. So conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat moment suggests that. Um, other like studios are gobbling up actors not so much to use them but just to hold them mm-hmm. so it's like disney i know i know benicio del toro has done quite a lot of business with disney lately uh yes he is in uh guardians of the galaxy which is star wars yeah. avengers yep um but he was penning a deal with like universal at one point also for that dark universe thing that uh-uh. supposedly hasn't died yet but uh, I love I, me some Benicio, so he did the right move. No, if, no, I, yeah. I don't think he would have fit in very well in this film. Anyway, in a different film, I would have loved to have seen him square off at a Predator. Yeah, with but in this yeah, one, no, 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 not at all. I would he, just be thinking Sicario the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, even from an aesthetic standpond, he would stand out way too much. Where it's like, honestly, he'd make the, the film darker just by yeah, being in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he without just, even trying, he would just have to say something really soft, like, "Oh, that's fucking." Well, but I mean, he can also do goofy. He's, yeah, he he's can, done goofy. He can do goofy, absolutely. Like, but I don't think he was a great choice anyway. But yeah, tinfoil hat suggests that he was busy because he was busy. Like his schedule was cordoned off by other studios, mm-hmm. and Fox is kind of known to be struggling right now. Mm, I can't go up against the juggernaut that is uh, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> But Juggernaut belongs to Fox. Ugh, <laughs> they have the Juggernaut. They're going to buy him. <laughs> um, okay, you just want to kind of get into the uh, get into what's happening. Yeah, let's Friday. actually talk about the fucking movie. <laughs> so we open up with uh, ships sh- uh, ship shooting at another ship uh, uh-huh. in space. Um, um, go for it. Just a funny little note there. Um, Fred Decker, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Night of the Creeps movie, the reason why I bring it up is because um, when we talked about AVP Requiem, Notice how the opening is very similar. Mm-hmm. It's like spaceship in flight, crash lands or something. Something goes wrong or something is jettisoned from a spaceship in flight that's under attack. 
Same same opening for AVP, AVP Requiem, same opening for Night of the Creeps. And in this case, we have a larger spaceship chasing a smaller spaceship. Smaller spaceship uh, opens some sort of wormhole and escapes, mm-hmm. uh, goes into Earth orbit, and then we get the title screen, the title mm-hmm. appearing on screen. Um, I couldn't confirm if the font was the same as the original Predator, but it's basically the same shot. Yeah. The same opening of the spaceship coming to Earth. And then we get some sh- some shots of an of an angry predator like banging on his computer console and like trying to grab some doohickey yeah. that he puts on his wrist. And then he hops into an escape pod. I was gonna say yes. Uh, the the his ship is crashing onto Earth mm-hmm. during the daytime, um, not during the golden hour, daytime, <laughs> daytime, daytime, and he parachutes out. We'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to Boyd Holbrook. Uh, yeah, about- this, this is a very weird edit. So, yes. so he hops into like an escape pod, and it poops out the back of his ship, which is still moving. Yeah, it's yes, still the in ship flight. Is still moving. It's still coasting. Like it's yeah. not on. It's not like heading. It's not doing a nosedive straight into the ground. It's, it's just, not spinning wildly. Yeah, it's, it's just, just like very up. leisurely, just like coasting along the skyline. And then we cut to night and Boyd Holbrook in the woods. So yeah, we are assuming because we cut from that shot that the. The ship crashed. It was going to crash in about twenty seconds. Yeah, no, it, it was Easily. it was on fire and exploding. But the distance it was from hitting Earth mm. was thirty seconds tops. Yeah, it was that. It was like just above the tree line. Yeah. So uh, Boyd Holbrook uh, is a soldier, and I do that in air quotes because <laughs> um, he's about to shoot what I can only assume is some kind of cartel or drug related person. I think they used the word cartel at some point. Okay. So, well, by just his outfit. Generally, when you have a guy rolling up in tinted black uh, SUV of some kind, he gets out wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt or some kind <laughs> of, like, tropical shirt. <laughs> it's with, the uniform. With a, I think, did he have a ponytail? I feel like there was a ponytail. There may have been. And we're in a tropical... A bolo tie, maybe. <laughs> maybe a bolo tie. Like, this is saying, like, this is a cartel person. Yeah. And that's why I put air quotes around soldier, is because this is how, I think, in, in a film, you say mercenary. Like this is well. They tried to humanize him a bit mm-hmm. by having him be there to free hostages. Because mm. if he was just there to shoot people, then the only thing that you would have to like secure his position in the audience's mind as a good guy is his kid and his wife. Yeah, but he absolutely. He's like the so the predator ship crashes at nighttime. A good two hours later from when it was supposed to crash it was the escape pod it wasn't his ship it wasn't his ship we never got to see the fucking ship crash his escape pod should have uh crashed sooner because it should have crashed hours ago yeah (laughs) hours ago but he's just like uh uh something just fell bam shoots the dude in the head he shoots one dude one dude in the head there were multiple dudes there and hostages why did he shoot that's what i'm saying i'm like you got those hostages so fucking killed I guess I guess the rest of his team were supposed to help. Yeah, he has two buddies with him. Yeah, and the guy who's his uh, who's his subordinate, I would say. He looked like he had some years on him. He was old as fuck. Yeah, he he looked like you know if you asked him to do his his physical, he might and not you make know, it. He's not gonna make it. <laughs> I don't think so, man. I know Colonel Kurtz did it when he was uh, in his forties. <laughs> nearly gassed me. No, like that that guy was a little old and. That brings us to another little editing hiccup that I noticed. Was um, so the Predator pod comes down. It nearly kills Boyd Holbrook, so it nearly like crashes mm-hmm. into him. Uh, he takes a nasty uh, 
black sheep-esque roll That's down exactly a hill. That's what I was thinking <laughs> we were watching. <laughs> Vote for Donley! <laughs> boom, 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 yeah. uh, he takes a Chris Farley like, no, nosedive <laughs> down a hill. Now. It's falling down that hill. Oh, man, it would be so great to put his uh, his voice over him. Over Boyd Holbrook. That would be pretty funny. Anyway, uh, yes. so he... Uh, he gets his his he gets a little fucked up. He wakes up though. He's okay. Um and he starts radioing his buddies. Um just so happens the escape pod, well the remnants of it anyway, uh are very nearby and he immediately goes over and starts fucking with it. He sees some green green predator blood, so we the audience know, "Oh, that that escape pod belongs to the predator." Now, real quick, um I actually read that Shane Black was going to originally they asked if he was going to do a sequel or a prequel to this and he oh. said, "No, this is supposed to directly follow Predators." So, the all the other Predator movies have happened. Uh-huh. up until this point. So, okay. you would have to have seen the rest of these to get, well, you definitely have to see him to get the uh, the nods in here for sure, but we are supposed to assume that all this has already happened. Okay, I didn't know if Predators was Predators actually was confirmed, but it's it's good to know. They said that. Um, well, IMDb said that uh, Brody was. Well, obviously Arnold turned that shit down. Yeah. Um, like, How no, much money are you going to pay me? I got thirty million for the third Terminator movie. I'm not doing anything. I got thirty million for going to a church <laughs> to meet with Stallone. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Adrian Brody was uh, asked. I he was just probably not. Um, we'll see in a in a better movie. I would have actually I would have popped just a little bit if he like kicked open a spaceship or something, and it's like Adrian Brody and Brazilian lady. That would have been kind of cool. That would have been actually. fucking tight. That would have been kind of cool. <laughs> it's like the Deus Ex Machina moment where it's like, yeah. oh my god, all this lost, boom, 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 boom. and then all yeah. of a sudden. Badoosh, like escape pod or something. Door gets kicked down. Adrian Brody with like caveman gear. Hi, I'm He's talking like, what like, planet is this? I'm talking like Clint Eastwood if he was Batman in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, Adrian Brody in a bat suit <laughs> that he stole from the Predators. Oh, <laughs> uh, where is it? He's gone mentally. He's, yeah, he's mentally ill. Uh, anyway, sorry to interrupt you, but I just thought I should mention. No, no, that that's important because I didn't actually bother to look up if they factored in Predators. Yes, Predators did happen. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Boyd Holbrook is dicking around with this escape pod. He finds a predator mask mm-hmm. and a wrist gauntlet of, or armlet of some sort that has the doohickey, which was very, it was put in the center of the frame yeah. while the ship was crashing. So, we know this doohickey is important. The doohickey is very important. Yeah, it's the MacGuffin of the whole movie. Mm, yeah. The entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, as, as things tend to happen, Predator shows up. He's, mm-hmm. he's none too happy that someone's fucking with his luggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he shoots his plasma caster. So this Predator's perched up on a tree. He's got his plasma caster mounted on his shoulder. And he's cloaked. And oh, right before that we get a skinned man. Cause, well, yes. Because, you know, Predator. Uh, what I think is the only good, only, rem- only memorable practical effect shot in the film is this guy is halved. Yeah. Like Dewey, <laughs> like Dewey Cox's younger brother, halved. Uh, hanging upside down. And we get a blood spill on top of the, the Predator's uh, unconscious body at one point. This is a little bit after they're having their back and forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the, that was the one good, um, I guess, Night of the Living Dead guts shot uh, that we get. Yeah, in the it's not movie. often you see 
like guts and viscera yeah. in, in a mainstream you know action film mm-hmm. so it's it's always welcome oh, it's, it's kind of like child death in a mainstream action film it doesn't happen on screen very often no. but when it does you, you gotta like okay, give a you, little opera class if it's you know? tasteful i like tasteful child death in movies. well i mean i think feast has not so tasteful child death it, but that was appreciated because that, that was like deep blue sea kind of child death Oh, okay. It's like, we oh, they're expected. not going to do that. And it's like, oh, oh they did that. <laughs> for unexpected deaths, that movie is great for two very unexpected deaths. Yeah. No, I, I happen to think it's great for many reasons. Yes. But, um, so, yeah, Boyd Holbrook and his his two his two buddies. Mm-hmm. There's the old man, and then there's the guy who we don't is make. introduced to us via hanging. Via hanging. He's already been killed by the time we see him. But there's a weird edit in there where this predator shoots his plasma caster, and it does its little fireworks explosion. <laughs> And I don't remember seeing what happened to the old guy. Uh, he gets blasted, like, uh, straight through the chest. Like, just... But the same shot, like, knocked Boyd Holbrook away. Yeah. So he went... It looked like it went through... I was paying attention, okay. and it was very, very quick. I just like saw some sparks, other... and then he was not there anymore. I believe, it, I believe it went through the old guy's chest, basically. Oh, okay. It exploded his chest. Because I know he died in that moment, but yeah. I couldn't tell what happened. It was... It was bothering me. It was a versus-esque chest explosion which well, we'll I get mean, to eventually it was a a reverse jesse ventura <laughs> yeah a, a reverse blaine yeah <laughs> oh and this actually this opening shot of somebody dying it further proves my theory that predator's first human kill has to be hung by its feet has to be it's maybe they're ocd about it i think i think they're all a little ocd about it or they're, they're really big on their knots too man <laughs> you want them on a fishing boat or, or something <laughs> you two gentlemen sailors <laughs> But yeah, um, so miraculously, oh, uh, that blood dripping shot. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about this on, in the car on the way on the way back from the theater. Like, mm-hmm. what I thought was weird about it was, so this predator um, gets conked out pretty much. Like he gets incapacitated by uh, Boyd Holbrook. For some reason, decides to put the armlet on. Yeah, with the doohickey. Yeah, and then it it automatically defends him by shooting what looks like a a shuriken or a, or a disc of some sort at the opposing predator. Yeah. And it like hits him in the abdomen and he falls from his tree. And uh, it hits his head, hits his little noggin, I guess. Yeah. And this predator's just laying there. And then we get that shot you described of the guts drip, dripping blood all over his cloaked yeah. face. And then his eyes open yeah. and they're green on, on red basically. So they stand out like yeah. night and day. But like um, what's really weird though, is that uh, we cut from that, and then Boyd Holbrook escapes, and then we get introduced to Sterling K. Brown. Traeger. Yes. Uh, who is definitely my favorite character of the entire Absolutely. movie. No, he's uh, he's MVP of the movie. I hope that this launches his film career like even more, because he's done mostly TV, from what I can gather, and I think maybe one or two movies. The only thing I've seen him in, really... See, I don't really watch much TV. I, I mostly just remember him as... A, as a, he was... King T'Chaka's brother in Black Panther in the prologue sequence. Okay, and he made an impression. I think that he is—he's intimidating in this, and he's also hilarious. Oh yeah, like he should have like we talked about this. He should have been the comedy relief. It should have just been him as opposed to every single character in the yeah. movie. Uh, he's the keys ass character. Uh, if you remember from Predator Two, uh, Gary Busey is uh, the character Keys. He is the Head of some secret government organization, uh, some some sect of the or, uh, of the government that's basically trying to track down the predator. Yeah, and 
again, we're uh, we've gone through all the Predator movies at this point, so they have quite a bit of knowledge on this thing. Yeah, so it's understood that 1987 Predator happened. Um, Predator Two, which I think takes place in 1997, ha- also happened. An alternate, it, alternate. I think it's supposed to be like an alternate timeline. Yeah, well, but they do reference it directly, yeah. and Keys's son is in the movie, so it's yeah. clearly the same timeline. There's, but the idea is they're aware that the Predators are coming. Like yeah. they, they routinely visit the Earth. I feel like Jake Busey just never got the chance. Like he, he was great in Frighteners. Like I yes. really liked him in there. Yeah, I remember him being an Enemy of the State. But there's a lot of character actors in Enemy of the State. Yeah. He's a, he's fun in a Starship Troopers. <laughs> I still have not seen that. Ooh. I've still not seen Starship. That's a good I one. know. I know that's you're itching to probably do that one. Maybe. I think Starship Troopers is only valuable if you're familiar with Paul Verhoeven's no. like American movies, because mm-hmm. he has a he has like a very dark cynicism about him Ooh, okay. that it only works if if you're familiar with his brand. I'll have to because Starship Troopers was one of those movies that got horrible reviews when it came out because they didn't get the joke. What else did he? What else has he directed? Well, his American movies. I think he's Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, his American movies are like RoboCop and Total Recall. Oh, I love both of those movies. And uh, oh yeah, Basic Instinct and uh, Showgirls. Oh, <laughs> Showgirls is a horrible mess, but it is entertaining as fuck. Just like Saint Almost Fire. <laughs> just you know, don't just watch it by yourself. Like don't 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 show it <laughs> off to your friends. Um, okay, so one of the plot points that I have to touch on now is that this is kind of the. A huge plot point is that this predator is actually coming to Earth to give us some kind of technology that's going to protect us from predators. Yeah, this is what Kyle's talking about here is only revealed in the last couple minutes of this movie. Yes. Um, but I think it's important to bring up right now because this predator just starts murking these dudes. Just yeah. fucking them For up. For somebody who's trying to protect the human race, he does a lot of killing. <laughs> you could argue that he's defending himself because if I were a soldier slash mercenary out in the jungle with a semi-automatic, semi-automatic rifle and an alien, a seven-foot alien um, is basically attacking me, I'm going to shoot at him. Yeah, but he... I mean, he, but he kills the one dude. Off- he really enjoys yeah. his killing. Yeah, I mean, he he strings that one guy up. Uh, later on, when he's escaping the lab, he he bitch slaps that one guy just oh, because gosh. he can. We'll get to the like lab. that guy was thoroughly killed at that point. He we'll, didn't need that. We'll get to the lab. <laughs> yeah, the lab is a great scene. It's the best scene of the whole movie. It might be. It, I I think it is. Yeah, um, I I don't think I can argue that. So Quinn has stolen. He has gotten away from the predator. He has stolen yeah. some of his shit. And uh, there's a very um. We're supposed to think very important piece, but it's really not. And I call it the uh, snitch, if you're familiar with Harry Potter. I know um, what it is, but yeah. I, I, I'm not familiar with Harry Potter. It's a small ball that makes you invisible, and uh, Boyd Holbrook figures this out. And he swallows it because he knows he's about to get arrested. He goes to a cantina, and he ships. He tells the dude, like, hey, I got a gun and a shit ton of cash. I need you to send this to my P.O. box in wherever the fuck USA so they... I can go get is it. Is it like Georgia or something? Sure. We'll say, nah. Because there was some signage later in the movie that suggested it was somewhere in the south, but I don't know. It's wherever the fuck USA. Yeah. Um, wherever it's cheap to film, which happens to be Atlanta. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the payoff for this little snitch thing is pretty not magnificent. Uh, it gives us one little scene at the end, yeah, which kind of 
changes things a little bit, but not much. Like it's it, not a big deal. Yeah, in cinematic language, like in in terms of like the way this this snitch thing is framed, it seems to draw too much attention to itself. And like you said, it offers very little payoff. It's yeah. it's like one of those things that you would expect it to maybe become used on the regular, but its reintroduction to the story happens so late that. And it's inconsequential, really. I, I bet you a lot of people f- even forgot about it. I completely forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's that. Okay. What yeah, do you well, do? And, I mean, this guy, man, his bowels are... Uh, he's, I mean, he's got, oh, he's got like, army bowels or something because, like, he didn't have to go for, like, two days or something? I mean, he was in the brig, so brig is... They don't feed you very well. They literally... Do they not give you any fiber? They right? give you... They literally... All, all they have to give you is bread and water, literally. Oh, so. well, yeah, I could see how that would get you kind of yeah. backed up. So, actually, that's interesting, Shane Black. He was actually smart. <laughs> he, probably, he probably did his research. That was too detailed. Yeah, he, too pro- detailed. he probably, like, interviewed tons of soldiers and was like, so... Like how long between shits, huh? (laughs) It's like if you're if you're in the brig for like two days, do you think you could hold it that long? (laughs) We have to now introduce the next character, Um, Olivia Munn, Uh who plays Casey, and I found out who she's supposed to be. Now I I definitely still have some thoughts on what her character is supposed to be, but she is a scientist, and we're introduced to the back of her head quickly. And then at a dog park, I think she. We're, it's it, at a university. Okay, so she's. So a, it's on the campus grounds. She's a professor um, of science. Of just, science. Just science. That's yeah. all we really know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I have in my notes. I said terrible actress. I'll cite my references. So I I took notes of like, mm. how awful. Mm. Because I I don't have a lot of like I've seen movies with bad actors and I've seen movies where good actors are acting bad yeah. but I've very rarely have I just seen a straight up like oh no she's just not good at acting and this is the first time like I could see it perfectly <laughs> on screen I'm like wow that is not how you would do that scene wow that is definitely not how you would do that scene uh, yeah I, I, I hate I, to nitpick this kind of stuff I don't have too many examples to work from uh, I know her mostly by reputation um I think the only thing I saw her in was that horrible Johnny Depp movie where he play, he's playing a British man with a curly mustache, and that's like the oh, joke. Oh, shit. Uh, I can't even remember what mo- it was called. Mo- oh, gosh. I know the name. It starts with more. Oh, Mordecai. Mordecai. There yeah, we good, go. Yeah, good memory. Mordecai. Uh, yeah, that was not good. <laughs> um, and I don't know why I watched it either. <laughs> if you think Johnny Depp is falling off, he's in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and I think he's about to kick it back up again. With this next movie, he's going to okay, be okay. Well, I'm I'm not very familiar with the Harry Potter universe, but if you're going to you know try, that mm-hmm. would be the movie to do it in, because a lot of people are going to see that. <laughs> a few maybe, um, and then I think the only other thing I know of her doing a performance. Well, I mean, I saw X Men Apocalypse. She was awful in that. Yeah. I, I mean, that was mostly just a physical role. Yeah, she didn't have anything to say. She had almost nothing to say, and I mean, from a stunt. Like from like purely like a physical standpoint, she put in her time. Yeah, in a shitty movie. In a shitty movie. In a terrible costume. Well, my problem with her in this is actually her facial expressions. It's not it. Some of her talking, yes, but I think it's, I have, my biggest problem is that she can't emote. Like she doesn't have facial expressions that match what's what she's supposed to be doing in the scene, and that's I think my biggest problem. And that's what I had. In, that's what I noticed in Apocalypse was like she's not really. She, well, she was supposed to be like. This, I mean, Psylocke in the comics mm-hmm. is a 
horribly complex character that's ridiculous and they were wise to give her nothing to say <laughs> like honestly yeah. it's like it's more trouble than it's worth but the character is sometimes an assassin like a cold cold-blooded killer type mm-hmm. and she just can't pull that off no <laughs> like, i think that's like the easiest thing to do i mean she did all the move like all the choreo the choreography she did all the moves quite well mm-hmm. just there's there's a mind and body element to putting in a physical performance that you, you got to have both yeah. and sometimes just doing the movements isn't enough yeah should have talked to uma thurman because she could fucking do it <laughs> um so trigger um sterling k brown yeah. best character uh has quinn in custody and he's kind of being while while they're taking olivia munn we're talking to quinn and he's being a smart ass they're, uh, they're kyle reesing him yes <laughs> uh, so Quinn knows he knows something. He knows he saw something. He's saying he didn't, and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna send him to prison." And yeah. so uh, the the idea Quinn had in regards to sending the Predator gear to his PO box was that I'm going to need this to defend myself. Yes. Whenever, whenever this comes to light. Correct. So it's like, oh, there was no alien. It's like, well, what about the shit I have in my mailbox? Where did this come from? Should we introduce the other prisoners before we talk about the lab scene? Or should we talk about the lab scene and then introduce the, the prisoners? Because I feel if we go from the lab scene, we could just go right in and you'll know exactly who we're talking about, who's on the bus. Hmm. I, think, I mean, those scenes happened, like, concurrently. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah. If, I wish I had a coin. <laughs> well... Okay, let's well, let's go. Let's meet the people on let's the bus. Meet, let's meet the bus. So before we before we go go through what's going to happen in the lab, which is again the best part of the movie, I, I would say. I think so. Um, let's talk. Let's meet our let's meet our uh, guys in the bus. Yeah, so, our jolly band of misfits. Uh, I put them in order from my favorite, um, uh, Trevante Rhodes, uh, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He is the very handsome black gentleman who smokes cigarettes throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw him on screen, I'm like. He should be Spawn. <laughs> I'm like, I hope Todd McFarlane is like at least looking to this guy to play Spawn because he very much has that uh, that young Michael J. White like. Charisma. No, he he has a just raw charisma about he, him. Where it's like before he even starts talking, you're kind of like your eyes kind of key in on him. Where very you're like, much. He looks like an interesting guy, and he looks fit as fuck. So yeah, he looks like he could definitely do some kind of. He could do Spawn. I would yeah, say. I, you know, I mean, they are. Trying to make that movie right now, and wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at him. I would hope so, especially especially because his price tag hasn't gone up just yet. No, it's getting ready to. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I was impressed. Oof. <laughs> um, Keegan Michael Key Coil. Oh, should we go oh, over like how these guys all ended up on the bus as we go through them? Yeah. So Trevante Rhodes, Nebraska. We'll, we'll call him Nebraska. Um, he tried to kill himself. I yeah. Believe. He he. He kind of like delivers the story in small pieces, but when he's initially introduced, he says that he was placed on this crazy bus full of crazy people. Yes. Uh, because he shot his CO. Yeah. He doesn't say if he killed him or anything, he just said he shot his CO. And it's later revealed that um, he actually shot himself. Yes. Uh, he attempted to commit suicide, and then it didn't work out. So he uh, walked himself to the hospital yeah. <laughs> with a bullet in his brain, and he lived to tell the tale. And one of the coolest things he does in the movie is he uh, he remains like an enigma mm-hmm. where he's simultaneously the most lucid and relatable person that uh, that Quinn meets on this crazy bus. But at the same time, he's also you never get the full picture with him because like 
when he uh, reveals that he shot himself, mm-hmm. Quinn asks him, should I be concerned? And he just responds by putting out a cigarette on, on his, his tongue, tongue and yeah. smiling and walking off. Yeah. And even, even when he eventually leaves the film, uh, he goes out like a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of has that way about him where it's like, this guy's probably a little bit nuts. He's a little off. It's like he he's he's very charismatic and he's very kind, but at the same time, he's got some nuts in him. <laughs> oh. um, Keegan-Michael Key, who plays Coyle. Mm-hmm. Um, my he's, second... a, he's a package deal with Tom Jane. Yes, Tom Jane is Baxley, uh, which is a dumb name. Um, <laughs> sorry if your name's Baxley. Well, I mean, it's Shane Black. He, you know... He has a knack for giving like distinctive names to his characters. Yeah. Where it's like none of these are common names you no. find. Uh, Alfie Allen from Lord of Rings fame and John Wick, the piece of shit from John Wick. Yes, the uh, man who who kicked his dog. Yes. Uh, killed his dog. Kicked his dog. And killed it. And killed it. <laughs> uh, Via kicking. <laughs> oh, God. It breaks my heart. It was a puppy. It was a puppy, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Like, like I said, man, it's so funny listening to people like with like intensely empathetic souls talk about john wick because it's like so hang on you're okay with this guy killing like 150 people it's like, everybody he killed the dog everyone everyone jeez he should have been gary oldman from the professional um yes he is lynch and he's pretty not important uh to the story oh yeah he's he gets the short end of the stick when it comes to screen time and character depth uh, Augusto Aguilera. Yes, I feel like I've seen him in something else. I just can't think of what. I couldn't place him. I, he's I, a... I don't think I've ever seen him, but uh, he was fun. No, <laughs> yes, he's very funny. He was a lot of fun. He was probably the second funniest character. In that's the, movie. the thing that's important to throw out there is that this movie is not good. No, it's very poorly constructed, uh, but it's actually genuinely funny at times. It's it's not. It's only embarrassing a couple times. Mm-hmm. Couple of very just like very very like ham fisted mm-hmm. winks and nods to previous films that are just kind of shoehorned in there for no real reason, but on the whole, like it's funny when it's supposed to be funny. It and that's say that says a lot. Like yeah, because there there are movies that may be serious and try to be funny in certain parts and just it might just hit like and nothing hurts a film worse than humor that doesn't hit. Yeah, like that's it, just embarrassing. It hits every time. In no, this. like these are these are all good actors who all turn in good performances and they're all likable. Like I liked every single one of them. And honestly, if the, my biggest problem was like first we get to see some good practical effects in the beginning, I'm like okay, we get to see some nice. Yeah, uh, we get some guts. But the rest of the movie, that's and it. Some, and some good props with the, the armlet and the mask. Yeah. But for the rest of the movie, the rest of the deaths, it's all CGI, like, 300 deaths. And I was kind of let down by that. Honestly, if he had, if they had taken the time, and you know how much I love practical, effect, practical <laughs> effects and prosthetics. If they had taken the time and done it, I would have given this movie a much higher I would rank it much higher. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a funny thing because I feel like movies of this budget range, they have to make this like really awful agreement with themselves where it's like, okay, we're spending just enough money on this that we really, we need to make it back. Mm-hmm. It's very important that we make this shit back because it's not like a Bloomhouse production, a Blumhouse production where it's like $2 million investment, $58 million return. Uh-huh. It's like those numbers are astronomical. Yeah. It's like, go, spend your $2 million. You can do anything you want with those $2 million. This, though, it's like $80 million. 
it's a big expenditure. So like if you devoted all that time and effort to practical effects, uh, I, I feel like the numbers would be stacked against you where the chances of you getting like casual audiences to go, to come out to see this movie as a producer, well, I can see why they'd be nervous about devoting, we- devoting all that time and resources to something that is antiquated and maybe not as impressive to some people. When was Logan released? Logan was what, two years ago? Two years ago? Boyd Holbrook was great in that movie. Yes, he was, he was very good. Very good. What else has he been in? And I know I think I wanna say he was in that Liam Neeson movie I mentioned, The Walk Among the Tombstones. It could have been some other Kobe, Kurt Cobain looking guy. But... I say he looks like Tom he kinda of reminds me of Tom Hardy. Um I feel like he I feel like Tom Hardy was supposed to be in Logan, and they're like, nah, get that other guy that kind of looks like him. Well, get that other cheaper guy. Yeah, get that cheaper guy, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Um, I mean, really. But once I saw that he was in the cast, I'm like, okay, I like him. Yeah, I I, I was happy with him. Had I known that how much I was going to like Sterling K. Shepard, or Sterling K. Brown. Brown. Sterling Shepard. Who the fuck is that? I don't know. You just made that up. No, Sterling Shepard is a person. Oh. But anyways. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so if you... You could have taken out a few of these guys. You could have gotten rid of Alfie Allen, for sure. Yeah, he contributed nothing. Nothing. Like, really, he he did nothing in the whole movie. It was kind of weird. I don't know if because of Game of Thrones he might be a little bit of a name. You could have just spent that money, the Alfie Allen money, and I'll even say the Thomas Jane money. You could have taken those two characters out and just spent it on the practical effects. Or maybe just taken out all these dudes. Well, it... The thing about practical effects is... You have to actually get the... the I know. No, 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 no. It, it's um, it's not so much building it, it's lighting it. It's it's planning for it. So you can't just run out there and, and film your shots as you feel like it. You need to, you need to prep quite a bit. Sterling Shepard. Odell Beckham Jr.'s... Football wide receiver. That's why I knew Sterling of, of, Shepard. Of, co- of course, of course, you you would you you would dream up a football name. Like Sterling Shepard. I know that's somebody. <laughs> I know that's a person. I know it's a person. Yeah, he's a football player. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, practical effects require a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. And a movie like this, I don't imagine. Again, budget range. See, if you're making an indie film or something, like a Eraserhead or something, yeah, and you have seven years to dick <laughs> you around. Have seven years, and you have seven years to dick around with your your product. Yeah, you can take as much time as you want to to get the shots exactly the way they need to be to have the most impact. But if you have a huge ensemble of pseudo named actors, they all have schedules, and if they can't be there, then you got to work around them. So I'm saying, pull those dipshits out <laughs> and put in time where it needs to be. You put in the time on the practice. No, I would, I would love to see that, but things like that require quite a bit of planning and commitment. Like You really need to commit hard to doing things that way. Well, I feel like that's what was so good about the first two Predator movies. Uh, one of the things that stood out for me was the, the violence in it, especially the second one, and it's probably not a good movie. Well, um, th- think of how... How um, deliberate, how dis- how distinct each one of those moments is. Mm-hmm. Like, and then think of how quickly and how blurry, like literally blurry, some of the deaths in, in the Predator are. Well, if you think about, the, there's only one scene, and I think it's the lab scene where you could have put in that time, and it's a good scene on its own. But I feel like if you would have spent the time and not digitized all the violence and actually used the, the practical effects, it would have been even more incredible. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's just, that's unfortunately not the way of the world anymore. Because the rest of the day, I mean, once Big Predator gets going, there are some pretty cool deaths, I'll say, but they just... They're, they're pretty cool, but they're kind of impersonal. Yeah. Which that's is kind of weird in a Predator movie. Yeah, there's no weight there, yeah. Well, a lot of it, too, has to do with um, our, our MacGuffin. Well, there's two MacGuffins, one of which we haven't really talked about just yet in the form of a human being, oh, a young we, human being. Can, but, we, can we push that a little bit, Yeah, please? we're going to push that along. But, yeah. Um, so the thing about our, our guys on the bus, may as well go into some detail about Keegan-Michael Key and uh, Tom Jane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're a package deal. Yeah. Um, it's revealed over the course of the film that uh, what they're in the same unit together. Something like that. Keegan Michael Key had an incident where he lit up his own guys on accident. On accident, it was a friendly fire incident, and uh, Trevante Rhodes, Nebraska, informs us that he shot his own guys, and now he makes jokes. Um, that's like maybe the only line in the movie that hints at what his deal is. Yeah. Why he's so fucking loud and obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, genuinely funny at times, but very loud, very, yeah. very body, very obnoxious. And I actually kind of like that that thread for that character, mm. where it's like, yeah, I, I get that it. Make, he's, he has sense. severe PTSD, and the way he deals with it is he just talks. Yeah. He won't shut up, and he makes jokes. But he has at least one scene where he's off to the side, and you can, he's like rattled, like mm. he's. An emotional wreck. Yeah. Um, and Tom Jane and him have like a, a little bit of a bond. Yeah. Uh, Tom Jane's thing is that he has Tourette's. Yeah. He's not crazy. He's violent. His a uh, his interpretation of Tourette's is a little off. There's it's funny the 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 mental stuff in this movie the way certain certain ailments or diseases or whatever you want to call them yeah. are portrayed are kind of a problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, yeah, his Tourette's is all swears. Um, not so much physical ticks or just like random, like whoop, like yeah. It's it's all it's all swears. It's very cartoonish, but it, it's a good performance though. It's fun. Uh, Alfie Allen, I don't know what his deal is. He's he, British. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced he's on the bus because he's British, and they they're like your accent's funny. Get on the bus. I think he jerks off to Gambit in comics because he does card tricks with his hand oh he's got sleight of hand who gives a fuck it never enters into the picture does not See, matter that would have actually been cool because uh, we, no. ha- we have a physical MacGuffin when we con air when we con air the bus that's when it comes into play and I... you could have shot him in the head and then he could have been done yeah he could have exited the film right that's there and it. gone back to Westeros or whatever the fuck. <laughs> but no it would have been kind of cool if our physical MacGuffin maybe he gets captured by the predator and it's like ha ha yeah. guess what i don't have it anymore he doesn't get captured by the predator but somebody else does yeah uh augusto aguilera nettles um who's very funny i don't know what his fucking deal is he's just kind of nuts yeah he, he's just kind of off yeah um he's <laughs> he's socially awkward and intense uh, he and, just has like an intensity about him that but he's affable he's <laughs> like, very affable uh, too too much so uh, more than one person in the movie tells them tells him to not touch them because <laughs> he yeah he uh, he's a close talker okay. <laughs> okay let's get to the let's go to the lab let's get to that lab so just know that these dipshits are all sitting on a bus waiting to get broken out um, yeah they're they're being shipped off to some prison or something so we meet Sterling K Brown and Olivia Munn is like what's happening why oh, am I being... before that Jake Busey uh, we, that's when she's okay. She's walking up to meet Jake. Okay, Busey. I love his little trot. Yeah, he's like he's got he's, like the old man, like 
excited oh. to show off his toys. <laughs> we both were very excited when we saw Jake. I Casey. let out an audible, oh, hey. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> you see teeth and you see hair. <laughs> you, just, you just see him come in. You're like, oh, my goodness. And he introduces himself as whatever keys. keys. So he is Gary Busey's son. Oh, absolutely. For, I mean, the Keys character's son. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, no doubt. Which is pretty cool. So we have to. So we can assume definitely that Sterling K. Brown is working for the same organization that Keys was working for. Yeah. Uh, because Sterling K. Brown is also here, and we get Olivia Munn. Now she mentions in passing that they bring her in on things like this occasionally, um, but not like an alien. She said they put her on like a on a list where mm-hmm. if ever we make contact with an alien species, she's like the person you're supposed to grab. Yeah. I don't know what kind of scientist Be- she because is. Because reasons. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what kind of scientist she is. She's just science. She's science lady. Um, so we have uh, we have the predator strapped down. Yeah. <laughs> and we this is a creature, a, a mammal, which we'll get to, um, <laughs> that took a 250-pound, 6'2", Arnold Schwarzenegger up against a tree without even like... <sighs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't even have to he bend his knees. Didn't even bend his knees and just holds him there and inspects him. Yeah. They have him strapped down with not even chains. Like is it like loony like loony bin belts? Like it's, it's like a couple of just like bungee cords. <laughs> so they had Jake Busey run out to the parking lot and grab some bungee cords. He's under some kind of some kind of sedative, I'm assuming I'm they, assuming. Yeah, Sterling K. Brown says he's heavily sedated. And Sterling Brown, I actually watched the trailer for this again, and it, they have the one where it curses, and he says, "We call it Predator." Fucking right. <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's a running gag in the movie where Olivia Munn walks into the room. Oh, wait a minute! What? If you're gonna say what I think you're gonna say, what? Because I have I have something for that. Oh no 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 no. no. Oh, okay. No no no. I'm talking about the running gag. In the okay, movie. go for it. Um, we'll yeah we'll get to that. But there's a running gag in the movie of uh, the odd naming of this creature. Yeah. Um. So Jake Busey and Sterling K. Brown are speechifying to her about the nature of the creature, and uh, she interrupts them and says, "That's a hunter." Like, yeah, and which is accurate. Yeah. And then Sterling K. Brown says his line from the trailer that's like, "Well, we all took a vote, and Predator sounds way cooler." Yeah, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. And then, um, in a in a cute nod to that moment, one of our crazy bus people makes that same remark. Yeah. And, and she's, she's like, like, that's what I said. She's like, you, you know, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, so but Predator does sound much better. And it's also a nod to the, the fact that the movie actually was going to be called Hunter, the original Predator. So what I read was that Shane Black wrote this movie to be a bit of fan service. Like, he wrote it intentionally to have little, little nods to the original movie and the other movies. Yeah. But let's... I'm going to bring up something I want to call fan service 101. <laughs> Welcome to class. So, you might disagree, but one of my favorite fan service moments in a movie is in... This is a good example, I would say. is in Rogue One, mm. where we just briefly bump into, if you recall from Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, you bump into Panda, Baba, and Dr. Avazon. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like you. <laughs> I don't like you either. Exactly. <laughs> but we just bump into them, and it's just enough where you're like, oh, that's them. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, I had to look up their names because I'm not I'm not that big. Uh, of a nerd. I knew Panda Baba, but I didn't know the other guy. I, he's a doc. He's a has a he has a doctorate. <laughs> I fucking doubt it. I've been to college. He hasn't been to college. No way. My God. 
But the bad example, and I feel like we should put it on here just so you know like how bad the fan service is. Um, repeating the film's most iconic line. Yeah. Incorrectly. In- <laughs> <laughs> she says, you're one beautiful motherfucker. Yeah, it's a... It's a nod to your one ugly motherfucker. And, and the Predator t- saying it in Predator 2, ugly motherfucker. Yeah, the Danny, Danny Glover and him, you know, team up to deliver it that time because, you know, it takes two to equal Arnold. <laughs> did, somebody, did somebody say it in Predators? I think so. I think, somebody has to. I think Adrian Brody says it. Yeah, he would. You're an ugly motherfucker. Where were the other drugs going? Where are the other drugs going? I'm not wearing hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Um, oh, that would have been so awesome if he showed up in this movie and said that. It would have been nice. Where it's like, where are you going, Adrian Brody? There's a predator out there. I'm not wearing hockey pads. I've got fan service to do. <laughs> I've got to say the line and get paid. Um, so yeah, that was awful. And I yeah. think I let out a groan audibly. I think my eyes blinked out of sync in that moment. Like It was like a good moment. Oh, God. Was, really? You know, I mean, the kids are big on throwing the term cringe around. Yeah, and, that, and that, was, that was cringeworthy. I audibly cringed. Yeah, there's another one in there, but it's it's faster and it draws less attention to itself. Yes, I, I have that one in here. Okay, uh, I'll, let, I'll let you do that okay. one because I know you really want to do that one. Um, and this is my example one of uh, Olivia Munn being a bad actress. Mm. Um, and might not be entirely her fault, but the iPad sequence I mentioned when we were driving back. <laughs> yeah, that was an iPad. So she's like just looking at stuff on an iPad and swiping left and looking at this. And then she swipes and like Boyd Holbrook comes up and she's like, who is this guy? I need to talk to him. And we're like, what the fuck do you do? We, we don't know what your job is as a scientist. And she's just like kind of asking a few questions and yeah she starts directing traffic right away which which is fine but like she you meet i i'm guessing they tell her that he recently had an encounter with the thing and so she's like i need to talk to him and then cut to the bus and they start turning the bus around but then isn't isn't the little boy oh, happening parallel to this we, as should well? We, should we talk I about, think we need to talk about the boy. So this was my biggest problem of the movie, um, and I feel like it's careless on Shane Black's part. Well, um, he does like adding kids to his stories. First of all, as soon as I saw this kid Rory, which is Boyd Holbrook, Quinn, it's his son, Yeah. Um, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, fuck, we have to deal with that kid now for this movie? Like, seriously. And he's a big part of the movie. Yeah, he's and, a very big part of the movie. And it's so fucking stupid. I was really... As soon as I saw him, like, you just pissed me off by bringing, introducing a kid to this. So, Rory is an autistic genius, um, according to the writing in this film. Um, yeah. Um, it gets told to us in visual terms for it, during his character introduction. He's in school... Uh, fire alarm goes off and he starts throwing a fit in the corner and banging on his head. Not even a fit that I, I've I've worked I've worked at a like a day camp where we uh, we had a, a couple of kids who were autistic mm-hmm. and I've seen them have episodes and, and kind no, of freak I've, out. I've had class with with a guy who if you touched him he would he would do exactly the same body language. Yeah, this I've seen it pre- like the ones I've seen were pretty pretty bad, but this one was. Fairly mild, I would yeah, say. Yeah, no, it's it's not like he's screaming and, like, breaking shit. He's just curled up in the corner and doesn't like the noise. And apparently, kids are still bullying kids with autism, which is bananas. Yeah, you would think in this day and age, like, their classmates would, like, turn on them for doing that. <laughs> First of all, the teacher did not grab the, uh, the 
the kid on the spectrum during a fire alarm. Yeah, during a very critical moment where it's pretty much known that, you know, the more sensitive people in the room are probably going to have Listen, issues. This kid has problem with noises because he's on the spectrum and he's going to have a bit of an episode if he has a loud shrieking noise. You grab him. Teacher says, oh, no, it's fine. And just walks <laughs> out. Um, and then these kids knock over. He's in the chess club. Uh, we can assume, and these bullies knock over the chess pieces. Fucking badasses, you know. What oh I'm yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Rory. These are really lame bullies, by the way. Seriously, like by any movie standards. Oh, they're going nowhere in life. Absolutely. I mean, th- these are like I don't know if you saw Ben Affleck Daredevil. Yeah, but they're, I they're don't like remember it. they're like that level of bully. Or it's like, oh, one of the kids from The Sopranos was one of the bullies. Oh, well, those kids. Are, <laughs> he gets bicycle those kicked. Kid, those kids are garbage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. But the the one thing that I have a, a problem with is that he starts putting the chess pieces back together exactly where yeah, they were. Yeah, and then the whimsical music starts playing, so we know something special is happening. So that's not... I don't know if that is something somebody with autism would do, because that's what somebody with an eidetic memory would do. I don't know, and I don't really care. It's just it's just a very lazy way of telling the audience that this kid has something going on with him that makes him special. My last point on this is that Leonardo DiCaprio um, played someone who we would I could argue is on the spectrum and what's eating Gilbert Grape so yeah. well that he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor mm-hmm. uh, in 1994. Um, but it's not explicitly said that he's autistic, but he does such a good job with it that they're like, well, this kid did fantastic. We should give him an award for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way to depict autism in your film. This We'll get to why it's even more problematic yeah. uh, a little bit later. But yeah, that, that was a huge problem. I feel like it shouldn't be used in movies. It's You could have gone a different way. Like Maybe this kid was really good at video games or some shit. Um, you could have had product placement with that new virtual reality shit. <laughs> and he could be like really good at tinkering with stuff in that little... That well, little... I mean, truthfully, he didn't really need to be autistic. No. Like, at all. Did not need to be. But they they went for it. But um, Carelessly did it. And... So the school sequence is immediately followed by awkward little edit. It's, it's very awkward. And when we're on the drive home, I brought it up because I, I, can't, I can't place why it's there. It's like one of those just random shots that it's there for a few seconds. And it stands out because it do, there's no callback to it, really. Mm-hmm. So the kid's walking home from school. Um, a big old dog jumps up on the fence oh, and barks yeah, at him and dog. he shies away from it and then cut. That's it? Yeah. That's that's the end of that exchange. Well, don't worry, Trevor. That dog's going to come back a little bit later. Yeah. So we follow him home. Uh, his mom's not home. He goes down in his basement. Uh, mom shows up. It's clear that they don't relate to each other very well because she's like trying to give him like Halloween costumes and he's... He indicates that he has some issues relating to the other kids at school, so he's he's a sympathetic character at this point because you know he got mm-hmm. bullied and stuff. And then, uh, turns out Boyd Holbrook's package got delivered to their home, yes, instead of his PO box. And the kid takes that big ass box downstairs by himself yeah, and not, not just opens that. it up without his mom noticing. And uh, he digs through it, and sure enough, there's a predator helmet and that armlet. I With think, the doohickey. I think the Predator mask weighs about 40 pounds. Because remember when he takes it off? I can't remember which movie, but he takes it off and it makes a boom. Um, the biggest example I remember was in Predator 2. Was that uh, when was? Danny Glover is picking it up off his face when he's unconscious, um, he was directed to go, Ugh! like, like yeah. he did He did that, like, for the camera. Like, well, he, he makes, he like, it takes a couple of lifts. And Danny Glover's a pretty big guy. Yeah, he's pretty big. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's supposed to be like armor. It's, it's yeah, armor no, mask. it's supposed to be heavy. And this kid just kind of picks it up. He's carrying more than just a mask. He's carrying like... Yeah, no, he stuff. carried this whole big ass box. <laughs> this thing weighs... I'd say this box weighs about 60... 60 to 100 pounds. Yeah, no, that, that arm that armlet is like his whole his whole torso. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. that he's able to lift this thing, but yes. So he uh, starts dicking around with the armlet, and he finds the doohickey that was embedded in it, the yes. MacGuffin, and uh, he starts playing on it like it's a cell phone. Yep. Right away. Right away. And uh, he uses his autism powers to send some sort of signal up into space, which I think is what alerts the Predator. The... the... What can we call him? He's huge. You've seen him in the trailers. I think most people are calling it the Super Predator. Super Predator. I'll, I'll work. Well, it. what's funny is I think I think Super Predator might be the uh, official title. Mm-hmm. But why wouldn't you call it the Apex Predator? I like that so much better. Let's call him Apex. Let's just, let's just <laughs> Apex. Let's just call. Let's just call him Apex. I mean, that's so perfect. Yeah, Apex. <laughs> I like that. So I think I think that's what alerts the Apex Predator, and also what wakes up the Predator in the lab. Yes, so, okay. Yeah, which brings us back to the lab. Back to the lab. So the Predator is on the slab in the lab. Slab in the lab. (laughs) He wakes up, and then very adorably, a group of about seven or eight scientists. White coats. Nerds. (laughs) Go up to this monster and put, like, two fingers (laughs) on him. Oh, hold him down. And I, he probably did this like they're they're doing like reverse light as a feather. <laughs> seriously, like he could be sleep deprived and exhausted. He's still gonna just murk these dudes, and he does. He rips out of there, and he just starts fucking people up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just kill. It's incredible. Like, this this movie, I need to get it, give it credit. There's a great deal of eye trauma in this movie. Oh yeah, and I always appreciate that when it comes to gore moments. Dude, it's, it's, it's Dude that guy that gets the metal instrument in the eyeball. Yeah. Oof. Oof. He he just like fastballs him right in the eye. I mean, he's he's slapping people. Man. Like he's <laughs> slap killing people. Uh, oh, and, I mean, that's a like a hundred fifty pound arm that he's swinging around. I mean, he's not fucking around. Like he's pissed. Yeah, and the one guy he throws up on the slab, and he's just like. He's like hammer fisting him on the head. <laughs> so I don't want to give too much away about the lab scene. If you're gonna watch the movie for anything, it, it's watch a, it for it's that. a good violent chaotic moment. Um, and then it leads to Olivia Munn trying to escape. Okay, so a couple problems here. One, this is another uh, example of her being a bad actress. Uh, she has to get out. So before she goes into the lab, they have to be sterilized. They have to get naked. This, this was a good setup. Yes. Because they introduced it ahead of time. I'm like, why are they doing it? They're going to show her naked? Is that what you have to do in this movie, Shane Black? You have to show a model naked in your movie? No, he doesn't. No. And he we get to see thing. some Jake Busey nipples, though. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, he's very red. <laughs> yeah, he is very red. I did notice that. Um, he... So she, when they go in, they have to be sterilized and get into these little suits. On the way out, the door won't open unless they're re-sterilized. Uh-huh. So she has to drop drop trowel and get sterilized again. Uh, at this point, the predator has gotten into where she is being sterilized. Yeah, um, actually, very clever moment. It uses its voice mimicry oh, yes. to open the door. That was really good. I did See, like that. That's actually one of my favorite things about the predator that doesn't get used enough. That I like that a lot. Where you can, it takes him like two or three tries to get it right too. Mm-hmm. So you can like hear him like <coughs> gurgling. I'm I'm Jake Busey. Uh, <laughs> but this was a this was when she's she's crouched down, hoping he doesn't see her, um, and she's like 
kind of scared and then he's hovering over her just looking down and she's the best way I could think of describing what she's doing is that she's just gotten into an argument with, <laughs> she just got into an argument with a significant other and out of anger he threw a bottle or a plate against the wall and left he didn't do anything to her he just he was so angry he had to throw something against the wall it broke and he walked out and he's walking away that's what she's doing right now is just kind of like a Oh, that was kind of rough. Yeah. She has murder standing over her, and she's not (laughs) shaking uncontrollably or screaming. Alien death personified. She's Probably stinks to high heaven, too. I mean, if she were in shock, you would have to show that she was, like, still sitting there after a while, like, not being able to move, but she's not. She's just not doing a good job. I mean, it it, it would be distasteful, but it's the kind of scene that a grown man would pee themselves. I would have shit myself easily. Yeah. Easily. And she's just kind of like, oh, maybe he's not going to do anything. And he doesn't do anything. (laughs) For whatever reason. Well, I mean, I think she mentions it later that I was naked and unarmed and it didn't do anything to me. Yeah. Which, it's still not, it's still a little hazy for a lot of the things that they give concrete answers to about the predators in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. That one's still a little hazy to me because it's my understanding that being unarmed makes them not interested in you. Yeah. Being a female of reproductive age, I would think, also makes them uninterested in you as evidenced by the Hispanic cop lady in Predator 2. Yeah. Um, menopause, though. You know? <laughs> it's like once that kicks in, it's fair game. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, so yeah, uh, he just kind of gives her a dismissive look and heads out in the hallway, and we get this pretty fucking cool moment where he uh, he fucks up a dude who foolishly runs up to it. Yeah, I was like, you keep your distance, sir. Yeah, no, absolutely and, uh, not. This guy gets tossed against a wall, and then he the predator jacks his assault rifle and just one hands it across the room and just sprays like three guys. I like how he shoots. He's not... Yeah, he's just like, whatever. He's not a fa- Yeah, he's not active at all. He's just... Yeah. Oh, I love that because it, it showed resourcefulness. It's like, in the moment, I don't have my tools, I'll use theirs. It was uh, pretty great. And especially, yeah. I mean, he's like seven it's, feet tall and you, if Arnold can one-hand an assault rifle, a predator yeah. can. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, he could one-hand it. And like... This is the best scene in the movie, and it's pretty much downhill from here. It has a great momentum to it and a good pace to it, where it's just like... I was actually and like... It, like I said to you in the car, like I thought it was really kind of neat to finally see a Predator cut loose in that fashion, because we're so used to them like glorifying their kills and mm-hmm. like spacing them out throughout the movie and stuff. This was... Other than like Predator 2, when Keyes' guys all get killed in the meatpacking plant, mm-hmm. this was like the only instance we've had where we just saw a Predator in a room full of victims yeah. and just trying to get it victims. done. Yeah. <laughs> well, these guys aren't going to do anything no. to him. Like, no, that's just impending doom. Like, yeah. Oh, it was just kind of neat to see this red tornado <laughs> go through everybody. Pretty much. And, it didn't take him long at all. And the idea was he was just trying to get from point A to point B. It's like, yeah. Th- these aren't, these aren't trophies to be collected. These are obstacles. So the next thing that I, I have a theory on is that Casey, our scientist, had I feel like she had to have been ex-CIA or ex-military. Yeah, during the lab scene, she picks up a tranquilizer rifle very quickly. This is a nerd. Like, this is a nerd scientist who apparently with, with believes white in White sneakers. She's talked to Mulder and Scully at this point. If she's the first person you call when there's an alien that's crash landed. Oh, yeah. She's definitely talking David, about David Duchovny probably whipped it out or something. And, and she's like, uh, that's she, enough of that. <laughs> I mean, she, okay, the other thing is, is that 
Sterling or uh, Jake Busey's like, you've got to go get him. You have to. Yeah, he. They take special care to show that he was not killed. Yeah, he was injured, and he, his first reaction is, you got to go get him. You got to go get him, dude. And she has a tranquilizer rifle and took her a minute to put on some clothes i'd imagine but she did real quick <laughs> it took her longer to put on clothes than it did to load a weapon. Like, yeah, to, yeah like she was this- ready to go and and yeah his first priority is <laughs> go get it <laughs> i guess he has a bit of his dad in him yeah. go get him <laughs> so this is where our prisoners uh, as i like to i put con air them their way out of the bus yeah so um, the bus is now turned around and is heading back to uh back to casey back to the lab uh, Olivia Munn is chasing down the Predator. We can kind of speed through this a little bit just yeah, to yeah. get going. Uh, going for the Predator. She doesn't get him. Um, uh, Traeger tells one of his men, like, all right, she's knocked the fuck out. Shoot her. Or, mm-hmm. like, you have to kill her. Like, she's a witness. He's trying to knock out witnesses. This is, this cannot get out. Um, we... no, she also stole something from the lab. Yes. It was a blood sample. Okay, she stole... Of, of the Predator they had in captivity. She stole the sample. Um, the boys basically save her. And they're about to leave when we get to your favorites. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> so Trevante Rhodes. Uh, he, Nebraska. So the bus gets damaged because the Predator is now geared up using uh, salvaged Predator gear that they had in the lab that he just yanked. Yeah. Um, which he uses the, one of the masks to actually do like a remote view from, from his actual mask that's mm-hmm. with the boy. Yes. And he uses that remote view function to figure out where the boy is. Mm-hmm. Um, so he takes off. He's he's leaving the lab, and uh, they come at him with the bus. And Boyd's like, "I gotta kill that motherfucker." Absolutely. I was like, "Okay, you know, it's <laughs> like you could very easily get away and be fine, but yeah, let's go fight the space alien with our bus and one gun." Um, and yeah, the predator takes out one of the wheels of the bus. Bus is disabled. Yeah, he's very dismissive. Again, point A to point B. He's not terribly interested in this bus of loonies chasing after him. Yeah. Uh, so they need they need an escape route, and Trevante Rhodes just like looks at the lab and says, "Get to the choppers, that fast! Just get to the choppers! Get to the choppers!" So there is a row of motorcycles. A row of motorcycles. Everybody knows how to drive them. Yeah, everybody knows how to drive them, and there are enough of them for each of them. There are six <laughs> motorcycles just six lined up. Unattended motorcycles, all with the keys. I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get to the choppers. Yeah. Get to the choppers. Or he didn't just like start running towards the bikes. Like, get to the bikes. <laughs> get like, to the bikes. Get to the bikes. <laughs> get to the ch- bikes. Cho- he says choppers. Yeah. They're not even choppers. They're motorcycles. A chopper looks different. <sighs> yeah, it was, it was silly. It didn't yeah. need to be there. It's just one of those moments where, like I said, my eyes blinked out of sync for a moment. And like I think I had a aneurysm or something. <laughs> it would have been a good a good line to use would just be stick around stick around yeah if he just would have been like all right stick around like it just went off like See, that, that would have been fine that would have been perfect and what's really good about that one is not everybody remembers it so the people who would get it would be like okay what's your, what's your neck beards the neck beards would get it he said the line he said the, oh, oh my god he said the thing that the yeah. guy said 30 years ago if you're gonna if you're gonna owe to that first one yeah just little things that only people who've seen it 20 times would get yeah oh, that'd be cool like, I maybe, or I ain't got time to bleed if somebody said like uh, negotiation is my specialty you know like oh that's Bill Paxton yeah. said something like that in the second <laughs> one <laughs> Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, that would have been nice. But like, oh, I know exactly what. You, yeah. yeah. Um, so that brings us to the biker bar or the the motel. 
The motel, yes. Motel. Is this a biker bar? No, it's a motel. Oh, okay. I got it wrong. Yeah, because I, I have it just... Uh, <laughs> I have a shorthand. It goes, dogs, giant predator, Quinn's wife, barn brawl. But yes, we get to the motel. Yeah. Um, where Olivia... Do they knock her out? I think... No, he, she shoots herself in the foot with oh, a tranquilizer yeah. rifle. <laughs> she, she will ferals herself. Yeah. <laughs> pull, pull, pull one out. <laughs> pull it out. Pull it out. Oh my god, I forgot you're, about that. Oh, by the way, you're crazy. I we were, I like you, but you're crazy. I could not control myself when I watched that Aquaman trailer. That was the <laughs> funniest thing I've you ever were, seen. You were just giggling uncontrollably. Not, so the dude from The Conjuring, I can't think of his name. He has a Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson has a blonde ponytail, like blonde long hair. I'm like, absolutely not. I like Patrick Wilson. I love Patrick Wilson, but he looks so stupid. Freaking sharks with laser beams attached to them. They did head. it. They actually did it. He, I do not. I don't think that dude's a good actor. The uh, Momoa, like, no, he's not. He's not a good actor. Great no. to look at, but not no, a good from actor. an aesthetic, purely aesthetic standpoint, he's amazing. Yeah, like he has a look. He's a character design that's a human. Like, yeah, no, he has a look and he moves well, but he can't talk. No, <laughs> he can't talk and he can't emote. It seems like he's a very charismatic guy, but but he's Hawaiian, so you know you got you got to take. What you I can know get. you're, you're <laughs> super, super boned up, but dude, that trailer just the underwater fighting and shit. Like well, I could to, not control. To it. me, like. It does look stupid, oh but I will gosh. give it this. It like as a I'm wearing my Hoppa shirt right now. Yeah. In fact, um, as a Hoppa person, it's kind of neat that it's that story. Like literally, mm. it. I mean, even the casting where it's like they got the the guy from New Zealand and, oh. Nic- and Nicole Kidman yeah. as his parents. Yeah. So but, it's like literally a mixed race kid who goes to his his one half of his his uh, heritage's homeland. It was just the way they were delivering it. Like my dad was a fisherman. My mom. My dad was a lighthouse operator. My mom. My mom was. My mom was was Tom Cruise's ex. (laughs) My mom was a queen. I'm like she was a mermaid. I started laughing. I started laughing from there, and I couldn't stop. Patrick Wilson with his blonde hair, just I couldn't hold it together. What they needed to do is like have one of those like trailer moments where like all the sound drops out and like he pops out of the ocean and goes shaka bra there's something really stupid i hope that he says he's like i want freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads (laughs) that's what's in there is they're not laser beams but you you know what i mean yeah Uh, anyway sorry send out the sharks with the freaking laser beams release the sharks with the laser beams Attached um, to their heads. I digress. I'm sorry, but yeah, I could not stop laughing at that. <laughs> so we're at the motel, and Olivia Munn has passed out because she shot herself in the foot with the tranquilizer rifle. Yeah. Um, and then all of our uh, all of our loony bin bus riders uh, have her like laid out on the bed, and they're all like putting like little, like <laughs> little trinkets like I, tro- like offerings <laughs> at her feet, and that was adorable. I had a, I had a legit laugh at that. No, it, well, I mean it's a bunch of guys who don't know how to behave around a woman, and they're all trying to not be creepy, but in doing so are being creepy. Uh, she wakes up, acts like she's groggy. She grabs a shotgun. They made a bet about the shotgun. It was really stupid, and they made a bet about whether or not she would shoot him. I hated that fucking sequence. That was I don't pretty know. stupid. I f- oh, that was so stupid. I did like when he flicked her in the nose. Though. That was fun. I did <laughs> like the nose flick. Uh, again, Olivia Munn not being able to have expression on her face when she's talking she's doing the hot girl face just the 
uh, yeah, uh, mouth kind of hanging open. And kind of like, one eyebrow kind of moves a little bit, but no blinking. Uh, kind of having that expression like, it's like, so who's going to finish my sentence? Who's going to finish my sentence? If you've seen Louis C.K. Louis stand up, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have not, but I know the face. And yes, she was indeed doing it. She was doing it. Uh, annoying. I think, um, I think she was supposed to be like perturbed. Like she was supposed to be impatient with these idiots, but it uh, just it just didn't. It didn't sell. I would I would say that maybe you were right, but I have another example of her being a bad actress later in the movie, so I'm just going to go ahead and nix that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so where do they go from here? This is where we go. We, now, this episode, by the way, is definitely going to be two hours. I apologize for that, but... <laughs> We did two hours. We did two hours on five of the Predator movies. Yeah. We're gonna probably do two hours on this, just because we had. I definitely had high hopes with this movie, and I was a little let down. But we'll get to why it might not be as good as it could have been. Okay. Um, so yeah, we are figuring out that um, Quinn needs to go back to his house. He yeah. has to go. He's like, listen, I got all this shit from when I met the alien. I, I shipped it to the post office. Um, and now I have to go back and try to get that stuff, um, which he does. He goes. The transition to that scene, there is none. There is none. He's literally just at the front. He door. is just it. No, not even at the front. He's in the home. Oh yeah, he is. And he, <laughs> he just walks in. And she's like, "What the fuck?" Okay, so I think they're separated. If not, oh yeah, no. She's like, "You can't be here." I think she says at one point. They're not divorced. They are separated. Yeah, but yeah, this this man who is a professional soldier of some sort, mercenary. They Professor, say soldier. <laughs> they say soldier. I say mercenary. Um, yeah, uh, she's not at all surprised when he just shows up. Yeah, it's like normally you know, people go away and they're you know out of the country and yeah. and they usually let you know when they're coming home and yeah. they show up in like ultra casual gear with no no luggage or anything. He just he just walks through the fucking door. Just walks through the door. Uh, looking for his box. And oh then... yeah, this is also when it's like confirmed that it is Halloween night. Oh, yeah, it is Halloween. Because we get to see some kids milling about outside in costume and stuff. But yeah, he just walks through the door and he starts going through shit. She's not happy to see him. He goes down to the basement and he's like, where's the boy? She let her autistic kid go trick-or-treating by himself. By himself? Jesus Christ. I wasn't allowed to do that until I was much older than him. I've never been trick-or-treating by myself. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, no, he is by himself with no friends. No friends. An autistic kid walking around at nighttime with a lot of scary... Like, that's... Heathens are out, okay? Yeah, we yeah. have the worst people in the world, teenagers, out, excited and happy and just doing crazy shit. And she's like, oh, I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, that was very strange. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Shane Black. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Boyd is rooting around in the basement trying to find the doohickeys. Uh, he discovers, oh my God, the doohickeys aren't here. And then it turns out the kid took him out trick-or-treating. So he's wearing a predator mask, like, duct taped to his head. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It looks kind of fun, actually. It's about half of his body weight, but yes, he is wearing it around his head. Yeah, and it's about twice the height of his skull. It's huge. Yeah, he looks like a triceratops or something. They did a good job of making the to scale. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of cute actually. But it'd be like walking around with a forty pound dumbbell on the front of your face. Like, yeah, no, he'd be like pitch forward, yeah. <laughs> like having some issue. His neck would be fucked. Um, <laughs> then we meet. Uh, so Quinn is just like, listen, you. I need you dipshits to come with me. And Nebraska's like, listen, man, I'm not doing that shit. 
and then he's like, okay, I'll come do that shit. And then the rest of the guys like, no, we're not going to yeah, do that. We shit. have this conversation like three different times in the movie. It's the "Who's coming with me?" speech. Yeah, um, we get it the first time in the motel. Mm-hmm. We get it again at Quinn's house, and it's pretty funny there, actually. Like, yeah, like actually, kind of. Yeah, that it. was one of the um, Augusto. He was really. Yeah, funny. no, he, uh, <laughs> your speech did not inspire me at all. The remote, <laughs> but, <laughs> but nobody calls me a pussy. <laughs> nobody calls me a pussy. <laughs> They keep handing her the remote. Like, they keep trying to watch something on TV, and they hand her the remote, and then, like, oh, I'm going to stay, and they yeah. keep taking the remote. That was a funny... It, it's, it's a, like, a sitcom kind of moment, but it's funny. It's genuinely funny. And then later on, we get one... We get another yeah. one, and then we get, like, one more on a helicopter at the end, too. It's, Have you seen a movie? They all go. There we go. By the way, every instance of a helicopter in this movie, of which there are, like, three or four... Yep. Uh, the the predator theme the like they're very keen on slipping that in there yes every single time there's a helicopter I actually I actually like that though I appreciate the score the score is by Henry Jackman and like I was telling you in the theater he's he's like one of the top names right now if you attach him to your project you're going to get good music and the soundtrack is um his original pieces like his original compositions are kind of weak like man there's some like faux heroic music that plays when like when the when the guys are rolling out that just doesn't work doesn't work but like the the core predator theme like the arrangement of it yeah is good and it was kind of welcome to hear it like but yeah um they all take off and uh so now they're looking for the boy. The boy has met the other two bullies who have picked him out with this giant mask somehow. Yeah, like, despite him having this whole outfit on, somehow they recognize him through it. Oh, uh, yeah. And then... And then we get, you laughed in the theater when the kid when the teenager threw something at him. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Like, uh, I don't know about the aftermath. I was kind of like, no. what the fuck happened there? So, Actually, let's, do we want to tell them? Let them find that outfit. Yeah, so uh, we, we learn... Uh, from a, a rowdy teenager throwing something at this autistic boy that yeah. uh, predator gear works automatically. Yes. Um, it responds to threats. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel about it. I that. feel like it probably has a manual and an automatic mode. And maybe you didn't figure out how to yeah. tweak it. But yeah. anyway, what we learned from that is, and from uh, Boyd in the very beginning of the movie with the, the armlet. Yeah. Is that predator tech works on its own? Yes. So if you if you shoot at a predator, their tech does something about it, regardless of how they feel about it. Correct. Uh, so yeah, um, it's around this time we're introduced to the apex predator. The apex predator, um, who I he lands on Earth. He lands on Earth. I call him Luca Brazzi, uh, <laughs> but we'll call him Apex because he's just muscle. He's just a giant predator whose job is to basically clean house. He's enormous. Well, it's more than that, though. Yeah. Um, he has a he has targets. Yes, which to me makes him less interesting. But we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so he lands. He, we get the uh, the ET spaceship or the Close Encounters spaceship like exiting the the brightly lit ramp, the the backlit, so yeah. you don't see him right away. And then he's got two hounds with him. I'm two, sorry. Two utterly useless hounds. <laughs> you were describing that. Do you do you remember Terminator Two at all? Do you remember that movie? Yeah, I know okay. it like the back of my hand. So do you remember when, I believe it's when the helicopter crashes mm-hmm. and the T-1000 gets out and that guy stops with his semi. He's like, God damn. <laughs> He's like, are you all right? Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know why that just popped in my head, but you just like, this arrives. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, I like when uh, when he's driving the semi and the, the fat guy with the like garden supply truck. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when he jumps off the freeway, he goes, yeah. wow. <laughs> See, that's how you have comedy in a, in a, in a movie that's not funny. Subtle. Yes. Yeah, subtle comedy. Yeah. That. Him saying "God damn" was just "God <laughs> damn." damn. <laughs> That's great. That's how you do subtle comedy, Shane Black. I'm talking to you. You. Well, he's not a bad writer in no, terms he's of not. in terms of dialogue, but structure. There are some. I issues. don't know, man. There are some pretty dumb dialogue scenes in this movie. There are. There are some pretty dumb threads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, Apex Predator. Apex Predator comes in now. Does the apex predator go to the house first? No. Okay. Um, I think the dogs show up in uh, at the baseball field. Is that right? Okay, so we we uh, yeah, real quick, we do get kind of a, a real A to D. Um, oh yeah. The pred- this, this is where the plot goes off the rails. Yeah, the predator sees through his mask that's in Rory's bedroom. He sees Rory Baker, or Rory whatever the fuck his last name is. It's Mick something, I think. Yeah, Mick Mick Nolte. McClary uh, or something. McClary Some, something. something. <laughs> but he sees that, and then he's able to Google his home address, basically, yeah. and he find out where Predator he, Google. Yeah, Predator Google. <laughs> Which is actually Bing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uses that and finds him, and then the fucking... That's how he finds the house, but first... They go to the school. They find Rory. The dogs show up. Baseball field, then school. Baseball field. The dog that was barking at Rory uh, shows back up. It just randomly shows up. Um, And it's like docile now. So the reason... So this thing was trying to tear his head off through a fence, but now it's like, hey, bud. We talked about this in the car, and I think that the reason why the dog is here is part of the plot is that if you want to talk about predators uh, splicing, basically, and taking... So there's a detail in the lab sequence... Um, when they're talking about the predator that's laying on the slab there they have had a chance to examine it to some extent um there's a again a very just like offhand comment about um the physiology of the predator and they mentioned that part of its dna is human well this is obvious uh because <laughs> I've, I've been Kyle has a theory i've been thinking of this for a long time i'm like well the predator i'm like he's got abs he's got five fingers yeah, he's got fun. a thumb i mean he's if you got a dong if you look at if you look at a bat if you look at the endoskeleton of a bat it's human with really long pinkies yeah so i'm like if you look at a predator minus the mouth it's a it's mammalian it, yeah, it, i mean it, he i mean he he knows he knows to cover his shame. Yeah, he he wears a he wears a loincloth or a tunic. He's got a predator dong. It's yeah, probably I'm sure gross. He, I'm sure he has a dong. It's probably gross and not circumcised. But it's <laughs> it's it's a dong. Shabbat so, shalom. And the reason the reason why he motherfucker look, the reason why he looks he looks like that is because this is a sci-fi. This is based off a sci-fi film that came out in the eighties. And you just put a, a dude into makeup, a, a big tall dude. So to bring that into this movie is like, oh, he's got human DNA. I'm like, oh, stop. We don't we don't need to do that. Well, they try to pay it off later with they the do. idea that so these predators are they have an objective and yes. it involves gene splicing. So yes, they're taking our we can just we can just say yeah. It. Let's we, get into it. Uh, they're taking the best and brightest uh, humans. And they're kidnapping them to basically make themselves better. They're able to gene splice, basically. So the idea is, and I actually disagree with this concept wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 
it's an it's a noble attempt to explain something it didn't need explanation exactly um there again offhand dialogue olivia munn has a, a science moment where, she, <laughs> where she's looking at some stuff under a microscope and she determines that uh spinal fluid is what they're yes they're here on earth for they're they rip out the spines so they can harvest the fluid to like gene dope themselves i guess mm-hmm. um so yeah, I always thought that that was just trophy hunting. Yep. That's just what they do. That's what it was. They take spines and skulls, and I guarantee it, in that first movie, the writing team, that was what it was. It's a terrifying image to have on screen, is to have a human spine and skull well, ripped it's, out. It's a human being being treated as a slab of meat. Yeah. It's a horrifying concept. It's very effective. Yeah. And to try to explain it like this is stupid. But know that, when we see the dog we see the predator dogs come in. Yeah. And I think that this is like kind of hinting at that, hinting at that thread. Yeah. Um, which so is, we had dogs in Predators yeah. from, what, eight years ago? Quote, right? unquote, dogs, yes. Yeah. Uh, they had some some kind of quadruped-like hunting animals that they used to help with their, their hunting. And a monster. There was also a monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the bug creature. Yeah. That was something they were hunting. It came down in a canister from the sky. That was something they were but, also hunting. Yeah. Okay. No, that came down from a can that just like okay. Adrian Brody and all the other guys. Okay. Yeah, the cricket beast, I call it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they had these spiny dog things that we we've mentioned in the Predator Masterclass that they're mostly useless. Seems to be a theme among predators. Um, <laughs> uh, quadruped predators. Um, but yeah, those in Predators were very clearly a different species. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not seem at all genetically related to the Yachtjaw, the predator race. Yes. Um, however, the the dogs in this movie uh, have the dreadlocks. They have the mandibles. Mouths, yeah. It seems like maybe they're a genetic offshoot of the the core predator race of some sort. But that begs the question: What the fuck cast of predator gets locked into being dogs to the other ones? I, like, I don't know. I mean, it, I know certain civilizations on Earth currently, like India, they have like their caste system and stuff. Like they have untouchables. Yeah. But they're not genetically altered to be dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck, man. You gotta be dealt a really bad hand. Uh, these dogs, two dogs specifically, two dogs. do absolutely nothing. They do fuck nothing. <laughs> um, we have a Phineas Gage moment that I... I uh, yeah, I please ex- explain. So Phineas Gage was a railroad worker who was a really good worker, and one day... Uh, he was too close to where some dynamite was going off, and he took a railroad spike to the head, uh, causing damage to his frontal lobe. Um, and this was one of the first instances where scientists learned that uh, brain trauma can affect um, mood and can affect your personality. Uh, in doing so, he became very irritable. He was not a good worker. He was lazy. He kind of didn't have a good memory. And this was an important uh, this was an important thing that happened in learning that. Trauma can change or alter personality. Um, in this case, are which sets up a pretty funny joke. Nebraska comes up. I don't know where the fuck he came from or how he got the with the drop. How he got the drop on this uh, on this dog. He comes up and shoots him in the head, like in between the neck, like kind of the neck. In with between a, the, yeah, with a pistol. With a pistol, and that he just kind of shakes it off and like. Ugh. Just yeah, we sh- even get a goofy shot immediately after that where they're getting on the bus and you can actually see in the like the left yeah. corner of the frame the dog just kind of like 
like shaking its head while it's like walk, wandering off into the street. It was like a goddamn anvil dropped on his head in a cartoon. Yeah, you expected like, like Tweety Birds yeah. like, going around. Um, but yeah, that whole sequence was pitifully choreographed. Like yeah. I, I have seldom seen like poorly staged action in a in a you know decently budgeted film. It doesn't make any goddamn and sense. What's funny too is the action in this movie is actually not too bad mm-hmm. but this sequence was god awful it's pretty terrible so when it comes to staging action scenes one thing that's really important is um like geometry yeah. like like learning the geography of of the layout of everything like learning the lay of the land like understanding where each character is in relation to each other like editing that properly is how you make a, like a cause and effect editing style like so like man shoots man falls down like that can get very repetitive and boring yeah. if you do it too many times but in this case these two dogs come out and they stand their ground yeah and they just kind of snarl and they're being shot at by like a half dozen people and they never really move no like it's they're dogs dogs sprint around they they charge they they circle they they're very quick. Yeah. That's what makes dogs fucking scary. <laughs> These dogs just kind of like plant their feet and bark while they're being shot in the fucking face. Well, they're supposed to be finding this other predator, the small predator. And that's what they're that's what they're supposed to be finding. So it doesn't make sense that they would even have these guys cornered. Like, what the fuck's the point? Well, I mean, there's also another thread there, though. It's the boy. Yeah, I guess they are trying we'll, to... We'll get there. Yeah, but we'll but get yeah, there. the point is this whole baseball field act quote-unquote action scene it's just men shooting at like static cgi images that don't (laughs) they may as well have been cardboard cutouts which is probably what they had on the set because you can like you can tell nobody's really feeling it during this scene but the phineas gage as is referring to one of the dogs becomes friendly especially with olivia munn Um, he and does and and, uh mr aguilera yeah (laughs) yes he, he is friendly with him too um but he doesn't really do a whole hell of a lot. He's he becomes a running gag of sorts. Like this dog latches onto them, like it imprints on them or something, yeah. and it won't leave them alone. Yeah, which it's is cute. It's kind of cute, it's but it's cute. also just kind of bizarre. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Okay, but, so we have Apex. Apex. Yeah, is... which brings us to the school. Yes. So, um, our predator. So, our heroes are being chased by the predator. normal predator. Normal predator. By our predator who escaped from the lab. So. He's being they're being chased because they have that important piece. Yes, they and have they still have the boy still has the stuff. And isn't there's isn't there a shot where he's kind of like, "Oh, god damn it, they have that one fucking piece I need." <laughs> he kind of gives like a Yeah, no, um I f- I actually wrote down the name of the the guy who plays the predator. He's unknown to me, but um he's an up and coming stunt actor. Like he's he's worked on at least one or two Marvel movies. Um, okay. And I thought his physical performance was pretty good. Unfortunately, there wasn't much of it. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, they're running through the school, and I think it's just uh, Olivia Munn, Boyd Holbrook, and the boy. Yes. Uh, Jacob Tremblay. And we get this actually kind of cool setup, where they're being chased by the Predator, and then you hear, this, you hear these big footsteps, and you see a shadow, and then the Predator comes behind them, mm-hmm. somewhere from this different direction. Yeah. And as the viewer it kind of discombobulates you where it's like did he just like michael myers them or yeah. something i mean we're even in like a school like, or yeah. something. and then uh boyd holbrook is put in a chokehold very similar to arnold in the first movie yes and uh the wall gets smashed open and 
our uh, lab predator gets yanked out the school by the apex predator, who yes. finally makes his grand entrance. Um, not wearing any kind of mask, he's yeah. just—he's basically in a, yeah, he's basically in a tunic. Yep, and he's got armlets with blades on them. But other than that, he's mostly naked. Yeah, uh, he man in it. <laughs> they fight as fuck in the school. Oh, um, it's it's like watching like a much older brother beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> he's beating the shit out. Oh, of Oh, it's guy. sad. It's uh, sad. Looking. It's not even one. It's one sided completely. So but. I have a theory about this. Well, not so much a theory, but just an observation. Um, this is this is always a really big gamble when it comes to um, iconic franchises. Mm-hmm. So I feel like movie producers are very cognizant of the fact that uh, you need to go bigger and better, mm-hmm. always, and repetition is rewarded only to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So if you make the same movie twice in a row. There's always going to be people who will critique you for that, who will hate you for that. For mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you just did the exact same thing twice in a row. So, which is, I think, part of why the script for this movie is so bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> but the bigger and better thing, you even hear it in marketing sometimes, where uh, like uh, the the second Independence Day movie, mm-hmm. they remark on the size of the ship, where it's like, oh, oh it's much bigger yeah. this time. And I think they did that with Jurassic World also, where it's they like, did. They did where it's like, it's Part much 3. bigger this time. Dress Part Three. And it's like Jurassic the cheapest World. fucking marketing tactic tactic you can pull out your ass. It's bigger. Yeah, it's bigger. Therefore, it's more interesting. It's, yeah. No, no, it's not, because the biggest example I can think of, and the biggest flop you can you can imagine. And this happens in wrestling all the time. <laughs> is uh, a young lion eats the old lion, and what the intended effect is that it's supposed to christen the the young lion as the new king. Mm-hmm. But if the audience isn't along for the ride, you're fucked. Yeah. And Jurassic Park three to me is the the prime example of this because in the first twenty minutes of that movie, we get the Spinosaurus, yeah, who's a brand new element to the franchise. Kills the fuck out of the T Rex, yeah. who is the single most beloved iconic character in all of those movies. He's even the hero. to even he's, today, he's the hero of the first movie. He's the hero of the second movie. Deus, Deus Ex. Dinosaur. He's the hero of Jurassic World. Yeah. He's when you think Jurassic Park, you think T Rex. Yeah. In fact, they were very wise in Jurassic World to make it. I think the exact same T Rex. <laughs> Might have been. And that to me was like the biggest instance I could think of of a gamble. Where it's like, we're going to go all in on the Spinosaurus. The kids are going to love it. And then we get to see him wreck the shit out of the T-Rex. And who talks about Spinosaurus today? No one gives a fuck about exactly. the Spinosaurus. Nobody cares. Exactly. And I feel that that's, that's going to be the legacy of the Apex Predator. Well, It's like, yeah, he killed the fuck out of that Predator. Okay. He also so, went out like a bitch. He's, like, yeah, he spines. <laughs> oh, he absolutely goes out like a bitch. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, he spine rips. They fight for a while. This causes a distraction for the rest of the team to kind of get on the road again. Because um, they're like, he doesn't care about us anymore. He just cares about the Apex guy. Like, they're just going to fight. Uh, Apex gets a spine rip. He defeats Predator. And then he uh, messages his home planet and mm-hmm. says, says uh, the traitor's been taken care of. Yeah. But he's still he's still on Earth for a reason, which isn't clear to us just yet. But no. we can guess that it has something to do with the doohickey. Yeah. Um, so our our crew they end up going to a barn and this is where Apex goes to the house to try to find uh, this is where he googled uh, Rory's name and yeah. he's found the house um, meanwhile the um, uh, oh gosh I forgot his name I want to say Schrader but it's Traeger not Schrager it's Traeger Traeger his men are like kind of just you know good fellas going through the whole house like trying to find stuff mm-hmm. And uh, they're looking for the coke that went down the toilet. Yeah, so 
um, once his, uh, uh, Quinn calls the house and she's just like, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Run, bitch, run! And then yeah. she, like, <laughs> she, she puts the, she puts the, um, phone down the garbage disposal and then she says probably the dumbest line in the whole movie you mess with the wrong like what, what is it you mess with the wrong family or, that was straight out of a steven seagal movie it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah that, i mean i you're almost, i'm almost positive Catherine heigl said that in under siege too you're like, separated at this casey point you're fucking not, right back <laughs> you're not a family anymore you're separated oh steven seagal versus the predator he would win. That would, yeah, no, he'd, he'd just like fight. he'd just snap his neck. No, he'd knife fight it. <laughs> I have a Steve. We're gonna talk about another movie here before long called Versus, and I definitely have some Steven Seagal thoughts on that movie. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is where we go. Dogs, giant predator, Quinn's wife. This is the big problem I had. You need to kill Quinn's wife. I don't know if you need to kill her, but it would have been preferable to what they did because I was telling you this in the car. I don't even know what happened to her. She's gone. She. I think she got. I think I said she got slapped or something by the apex player. She just gets knocked down. She exits the film. She's gone. <laughs> um, she just maybe her maybe her hours were up and she had to leave. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like they couldn't get her for another day of filming. But yeah, he uh, he fucks up the government agent guys, and we get this scene that I thought was going to be like a. Jurassic Park kitchen scene because mm-hmm. he's stalking around the basement and I thought he was going to be looking for her or maybe she'd be like trying to escape while he's looking through all the computers and stuff in the basement yeah. but no he's just like snoops around for a sec cut we're done that's it we're done here I, it was a missed opportunity she could be dead for all I know yeah I mean do you see the size of this thing like that's this yeah. guy has to kneel when he's in the basement like he's on like one knee the entire time he's in the basement because he's too fucking tall lab predator was slapping people to death yeah. Like that's how strong he was. This dude spine ripped him. If you if you get punched by Andre the Giant, you're probably <laughs> gonna die. This dude towers over he could spine rip Andre the Giant and not break a sweat. If you get hit by this dude, it's like getting hit by a car. No, I mean you don't wanna sit behind this guy at like the Lakers game or something. No. <laughs> He's gonna be killing people left and right on accident. He's ten feet tall and benches a thousand pounds. Easily. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> like he reps that shit. That's <laughs> That's his 5x10 after his max sets. <laughs> He's not fucking around. Um, but yes, we we get to the barn now. Yes, um, the barn. And this is where our third act is getting ready to kick in-ish. I yeah, don't know. So Th- Sterling K. Brown's on the tail. Um, what, he, he captures them at the barn? He captures them and this then is... We get, we get a, a group escape sequence where every single person escapes captivity all yeah, at the we, same time. We lost somebody. I can't remember if it was uh, Augusto. I think we lost Augusto um, at this. No, he's at the barn. No, he's still alive. Um, no, he is still alive. I think Alfie. We no, no, we don't. No, we, we, we haven't lost anyone. <laughs> well, they're all escaping, and this is all. This is the last instance I'll m- mention, but probably I would have to argue the worst. Olivia Munn's acted in the movie. Oh, the chair? The chair. The chair. So she's handcuffed to the chair, and again... Um, so she- she's being interrogated by Sterling K. Brown, but then he leaves and he gives one of his goons the high sign, and they come in with a gun. Killer. So she, he's uh, there's a silhouette. You see the dude walking up the stairs with a gun, and she's handcuffed to a chair. She's trying to get out. And as he's walking up to shoot her, she's like, please no. No, don't. Please don't. <laughs> 
And the way she's doing it, I'm like, oh, she is about to black widow this. Yeah, I thought it was a ploy. Yeah, like I thought she had something planned, but she, no, she was supposed to be genuinely terrified. It's 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 what Steven Seagal would say to somebody. Oh yeah, come on, what yeah. are you gonna do? Oh the, please, put don't your kill, hands up. Don't kill, don't kill me. Oh please don't. <laughs> and then he snaps their neck with one hand. Uh, but no, she, that was her actually begging for her life. Yeah, and Kyle <laughs> Kyle's like shifting in his seat, going, oh. Oh, I'd, oh, whoops. I, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought she was about to bust it out. I thought mm. she was going to fuck him up. So she gets saved by the dog. The dog saves her. Which uh, just kind of wanders up the stairs with a grenade in its mouth. Spits it out. And then the dude starts freaking out. And I think he's distracted. She breaks free and like whomps him over the head or something. And then she... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then she pulls the pin on the grenade. She does this all very quickly too. Again, I like think she's, she's very pull- she's very comfortable with blowing people up. I just think she's a CIA, CIA scientist. Yeah, and there. then she jumps off the the loft or whatever, and then she's fine. Kudos to Shane Black. This seemed like an appropriate amount of time for a grenade to go off. She pulls the pin, and it explodes five or six seconds after the pin's yeah, pulled. Yeah, it's fine. I'll give it. I'll give it to him. That yeah. was. I was. I actually like I told you. I was counting. I'm like five. Four, three, two, and it, it did do it. Oh. Oh, on on that note, should also mention that the the other dog, the not friendly dog, um, is is exploded via grenade launcher. Grenade launcher, yes. Um, so now we have to go. Um, Sterling K. Brown takes Rory. He's the yes. most important part because he's the one that knows how to find the ship. That's what he's figured yeah, out. Yeah. So that ship that we never got to see crash. Um, apparently people still care about it. <laughs> they <laughs> apparently, care it, apparently it's the crux of the whole plot. <laughs> Seriously. That's, uh, yeah, I didn't that's very that. sloppy. Yeah, that's very sloppy. Um, so now we have to get the gang together. Uh, we're going to go save Rory. Our guys stole a helicopter. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. I, I, they I stole that was a, like a, a weather girl helicopter or Again, something. <laughs> there's only one joke that kind of bricks in this movie, and that's where um, Rory is talking to Sterling K. Brown. He just says, like, shut the fuck up or something like that. Or... No, it's about reverse psychology. Oh, yeah. Like a kid with... Yeah, I'm, it, not even it, it. I'm not even going to yeah, say it. Yeah, it's not worth repeating. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very stupid. But it's yeah, they want. Stupid. So they... Apparently, these government agent guys found the ship quite a while ago, um, but they couldn't access it. Mm-hmm. So they want Rory to open it for them because Rory has this gift for interpreting predator language or something. Yes. Uh, he opens it up for them and... Uh, during the helicopter ride over, we get like super duper manly, rah rah GI Joe speech, correct? Uh, delivered by Mister uh, Mister Quinn, mm-hmm. um, and they set up an, a miraculous suicide mission to uh, save Rory, and then uh, we get a call back to the uh, what's the Harry the Potter snitch. The, yeah, snitch. the snitch, the snitch. We back. finally we finally get a call back to the snitch, which. Uh, we're shown on screen it's, yeah. by bubble guts. Yeah. Um, so after all the barn shenanigans, um, we have an audible gurgle noise. We stop to take a shit. Yeah, we, we, we literally stop to take a shit, and uh, Boyd Holbrook runs out of a trailer with uh, with the snitch <laughs> and a rag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he got his fiber in at some point. We never got yeah, to see it. He had some triscuits or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he uses the snitch, and uh, what, he appears on the ship? Yeah, so he appears on the ship, and we can just run through this. We have a standoff between... Um, good good eye trauma in that scene, by the way. Um, 
Sterling K. Brown's group and uh, Quinn's group, they're standing off. Uh, then Apex comes in and is like, fuck you guys, I'm blowing this shit up. Yeah, so we get a firefight between the two opposing human parties, and then Apex shows up and starts wrecking, wrecking yeah. house. Kills Alfie, and finally. Yeah, Alfie goes out. He gets an arm cut off, like Carl yeah, Weathers. I don't, I don't think... Do we even get to see what happens after him? Don't care. Um, so Alfie gets his arm removed, and then he sends up a flare. Yeah. And so then I think I that's don't it. think we see what happens after. I that. can't remember what happens to. Him. He was bleeding a lot. He's dead. Yeah. He was perched up on like Overwatch or something, and he's the first to go. So finally, one of our heroes has died in like yeah after more than an hour. <laughs> um. So yeah, they there's a standoff. Apex comes in, blows shit up. They decide to join forces. So Apex uh, takes command of the ship. So yes. he jumps in there, and he's there to scrap the ship. Mm-hmm. He's there to scuttle the ship. Um, and he uses some like interpretation computer rig that they have set up, very similar to like Close Encounters of the Third Kind or something, mm-hmm. where he uh, sends them a, a message interpreted from Predator language into yeah. English, like, hey, you know, you guys are cool, but like you can't have the ship, so I'm going to blow it up. Uh, only one of you is worthy. Um, and he uses Quinn's last name. Yes, which uses, is very convenient. It's very convenient. So and like basically, it starts like a game of tag or something. Yeah, he, he literally <laughs> says, "I'm gonna give you like five minutes yeah. to run, and then I'm gonna kill all of you except for one of you." Yeah, and the thing to remember, and again, I think this actually makes him less interesting as a character, not much of a character, is that he has a very clear objective. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is just obstacles. He's, we- he has a target. We've shot at him at this point. He's been shot at. Yeah, quite a bit, in fact. Bullets do absolutely nothing to this yeah, guy. Yeah, bullets do fuck nothing to N- the Apex Predator. Nothing to him. Um, it- it's mentioned that he has, like, a exoskeleton built, yeah, that's, built in. That's, like, repairing itself. Or... So it's my understanding that he has some kind of armor under his skin. Because yeah. we see, like, through the special effects and, like, sound effects and stuff, yeah. like, it sounds like like armor clacking together but the actual visual effect of it is kind of subtle yeah so i got the understanding that he has armor he's wolverine basically and the very very few that's what's actually kind of funny the first movie had a lot and the second movie all the predator movies in fact have a lot of shots from perspective Mm -hmm. um this one had very few but the few that we got from the apex predators perspective suggests that his helmet is built into his eyes Okay. So all the things that a normal predator's helmet can do, his eyes he's can do. In. So basically, all of his—it's like nano machines or something. So he's cybernetic to some degree. So we learned that autism. It, they the theory is in this movie. Yeah, Olivia that, Munn mentions this. That autism is that humans are evolving to get better, and autism is just the first step into us becoming better. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're taking. So the idea is. Now now that the MacGuffin, now that the doohickey has been recovered, yeah. the Apex Predator is looking for Rory. Yes. Because Rory is the superior human among among our cast of heroes. Yeah. And Quinn thinks it's him. Yeah, because they share the same last name. Yeah. Um, we get our character... We're being hunted in the woods. And yeah, and this scene is problematic. Yeah, because I don't know how a couple of these people die. Um, oh, uh, there's the biggest one, the most important one. That was yeah. I had to explain that to so, you. So <laughs> Sterling K. Brown is an awful character. Like he is a bad, bad person. No, he's evil to children. 
He's, he's <laughs> he tells his men to shoot the kid's legs if yeah. he doesn't yeah. like if uh, Rory's dad doesn't let so him go. So in in cinema language, this is suggesting to the audience whatever's going to happen to this guy is going to be bad, just yeah. delicious. Yeah. Whatever yeah. happens to him is going to be awesome. Oh yeah. And John Wick pretty much let me down with yeah. uh, his yeah. death. I was really that almost I almost stopped it just because of that. Like, <laughs> fuck you. This movie is so good, and that's how you kill him. No, it's it's very basic storytelling. If you have a bad guy, something bad's got to happen to him. Well, except for uh, Anton Shaker, but uh, well, that's well, he's just so tar- charming. Oh my gosh, like, he, <laughs> he needs a franchise. Such, <laughs> such a good movie. Anyway, wonder how much money it would cost to get the Coens to write a sequel for him or something. Jesus, I would watch. I would watch another movie with him. I know you people. would, but I, I just wonder what their price tag. They would, would be. never do. I know it. they wouldn't. But. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're we're palling around the woods, and now all the all the G-Men and our you know, crazy band of heroes, they're all bopping around the woods. By the way... Bopping is a good word to describe it. <laughs> um, our, our heroes are very well equipped throughout the whole movie. It's, yeah. It's kind of stunning, actually. In fact, um, when they show up at Quinn's house, mm-hmm. everybody suddenly got a wardrobe upgrade. It's kind of silly, being yeah. as they just came from a motel with nothing. But okay. And they just escaped from basically a prison bus. Anyway, yeah, that's besides start, the point. We have to start... Uh... Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> It's my understanding that uh, this scene was very rushed. Yeah. All the stuff in the woods was very, very rushed. People are getting killed left and right. There's no real breathing time. There's no, there's no air between the kills to the point that it all kind of blurs together, has very little impact. Um, and this is where the problem starts to come in in the form of this predator having a, an objective. Mm-hmm. So we get two major character deaths here. Uh, we get Keegan Michael Key and Tom Jane. Yeah, Baxley and whatever the hell. They get gruesomely cool. violent, dr- like melodramatic as fuck deaths. Yeah. But the way this predator handles it is they're just annoyances. Yeah. Like he doesn't care about them. Yeah. He's not glorifying their deaths in any fashion. It's not for sport. It's just like, get the fuck off me, Tom Jane. Yeah. Die. Keegan Michael Key, same thing. It's just like, have, have this in the stomach, whatever. Um, Traeger's death, though. Traeger's death. You, I don't need, you told me. I still I had know. To, I had to tell Kyle what happened because he didn't know. I didn't even know. <laughs> and that's not his fault. That's the fault of the filmmakers. Um, so Traeger, uh, right before they run off into the woods, goes through his trunk and he pulls out a plasma caster that I guess he just had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he has Predator Tech mounted on his shoulder and he's yeah. fired a few shots of it. Um so what happens to Traeger is that uh, during all the confusion with the fighting, the Apex Predator, firing a lot of bullets at this thing for no real reason. Bullets do nothing. Yeah, bullets don't work. Get it through your head. Because <laughs> it's very important for how we eventually kill this yeah. thing. Yeah, so Olivia Munn jumps out from behind a tree and says his name, and then he turns his head to look at her, and we see the plasma caster turn with it, with his head. And it's been told to us that their weapons work automatically. Yeah. So it's my understanding that the plasma caster fired into his own head, and then we get a spark explosion, and that's all you, all we got. So we get like one frame of that, and I can totally see why you didn't see it. I didn't I didn't see that at all. Yeah, and this is the the most entertaining, most evil character in the movie, and he gets the the single most unceremonious death I think I've seen in quite a while. Single most, yes. Which, uh, so, by the time we get done with this wood sequence, um, 
what we get the ship up and running the ship is up and running so the apex predator goes back to his ship and he's taken off with rory and then these three dipshits this is where aguilera yeah. yes he this makes is, it yeah so, he makes so, it to the end uh, kind of nebraska kettle uh kettle i think is kettle or skettle or something nettles like. nettles there we go nettles uh these three dipshits jump onto a ship um a spaceship yeah <laughs> a spaceship, spaceship in flight but there's a boy in it there's a boy in it but there's no way of getting in yeah speaking there's... speaking of plot conveniences did you notice how easy boyd holbrick got that door open oh incredibly easy. i mean i know i know they had the shot through the sniper scope of him watching rory open the door yeah so you could surmise that he watched his fingers touch the keys that's how you tell a story through, yeah, through, yeah, you know it, it. It is set up, but damn, yeah. like on the fly, he's just like beep, 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 beep. Yeah, absolutely. He's like fucking R two D two. Yeah, I can get it. Open, um, no both, and wow, this is like really disrespectful to the characters. Both Nettles and Nebraska make their exit without even seeing the Predator face to face. Yeah, they die on the exterior of the ship as well. They should have because that's what happens when you jump onto a <laughs> spaceship. Onto a spaceship with a force field. So Boyd, he gets underneath the force field. Um, uh, Nebraska jumps out of it and realizes he's fucked, and he's like, "I'm gonna sacrifice myself for the greater good because." And Boyd's like, "No, don't do it." I'm like, "Dude, he is dead." Yeah, no, no, I like Gervonta Rhodes's uh, reaction to that though, where he just like gives he, him a wicked smile and takes off. <laughs> and he, he jumps in, it kind of fucks shit up, it, it messes up yeah. the. Uh, Actually, I don't think he needed to do that. He didn't need to. I he don't could. think so. Well, he was going to die regardless. Yeah, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> he like... was going to either die in that or he was going to die falling off that thing. Oh, yeah. One way or another, he was going to die. Please note, Olivia Munn is on a cliffside when, when they're jumping onto the ship, which is in flight. Yeah. It's moving yeah. away from her. Away from her. She fires an M203 into it. It does nothing. Absolutely nothing. She falls on her ass, and the ship takes off. We're on the ship for quite for a few minutes. We're we are ten miles away from Olivia Munn by the time that mm-hmm. we're done with the scene. I didn't even notice that, but you're absolutely I'm right. At, she's quite fast. <laughs> They're in the mountains, by the way. They're not even yeah. just like we're not on like that stretch of desert that Joaquin Phoenix is riding the bike in in the Master. Like this is ter- terrain. Yeah, no, these are, these are evergreen trees and stuff. Yeah, and Rocky Mountains. We're look. This looks like Pacific Northwest. It does. Um, it, it might have been. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, um, so the ship goes down. Yes. Um, after some shenanigans, Boyd is in danger. Boy escapes. Yeah. Ship goes down. Apex Predator and Boyd have a face to face, and they have a nice little exchange out in the woods. I kind of like this part. This was the one scene where he's like kind of chasing him, and in, in, uh, there's there's a there's actually a sense of like, oh fuck. Yeah. Like, and like the soundtrack is dialed back a bit. It's it feels focused, but at the same time rushed. Okay, it's yeah, very it's rushed. absolutely rushed. Yeah, and what starts to deviate from the traditional uh, predator one on one battle is a uh, other components start entering into the picture. So it starts out as a one on one, Boyd and the apex predator. It's pretty clear he can't beat this thing by himself. Absolutely not. Um, and then what the boy sh- no the boy shows up, Olivia Munn shows up, the dog shows up. <laughs> Gosh, the dog. The dog shows the up. The dog shows up. That dog's fucking fast too. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, Olivia Munn shows up for this fight. She somehow sprinted ten miles in like thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's some shenanigans where they use his own tech against him. They use his own tech against him, and then point blank, 
Quinn uses a handgun <laughs> and shoots the apex in the head, killing it. Yeah, he turns. That's a really weird edit, actually. He turns its face to goo, and then we get like a half second of its face turned to goo, and then it like fa- it cross fades to something else. Yeah, I feel like that shot was meant to be a much longer. But um, Kyle's dispute with this is: we've been shooting this thing for the past half hour. Why do the bullets work all the Why do these low-caliber bullets suddenly work? We've been shooting him with everything, yeah. and point blank. We set him on fire, we shot him with rifles, we shot him with grenades. This thing is ten feet tall. We shot him with a plasma caster, which is predator tech. Yeah, and he's still not dead, but yet we shoot him point blank. Yeah, with he got hand. Anakin Skywalkered, but he's not dead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he unloads his 9 millimeter handgun into his face, and it works this time. My... My guess is that his armor needs to be turned on and off. That's the only justification I can bring to the if, table. If, I, if, I get it though. I get why you're why you're kind of like, what the fuck happened there? If it very rarely would I say that I'm bothered by plot holes. I would say it doesn't really bother me. I just kind of want to see the action on the screen. But I was this was actually the time like it was even obvious for me like watching it. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. And I now I know you how you probably feel with every bad movie that you watch. Like me, every I'm like, I'm every like, bad movie. I don't really give a shit. I just want to see the violence. Maybe that's why I I noticed it more because like you're not giving me enough cool <laughs> violence to watch in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so which brings us to the end sequence. So I'm pretty sure cherry on top. Sure, Quinn, the mercenary. He's in uniform. Probably got another. Me- oh, sure that was the other thing. He's been he's been given. All the medals like that a person can get. No, he he is a Steven Seagal character. Yeah, he absolutely is. Yeah. And Silver the, Star, all that business. The boy even has a line. He's like, "Yeah, my dad kills people so that you can be a mailman." <laughs> oh, speaking of which, funny funny casting. Uh, the the post office work, the the mailman. Yeah. And uh, the guy, you were laughing really hard during the drone scenes, like in it was like the military computer center uh-huh. and like. Just the set construction and the dialogue was so cheap looking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, those two actors were both in Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, who's was, like, was he the dad of the boy? It was, it was the sheriff and his deputy. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know that. They, yeah, it was just a funny little coincidence. Hmm. Um, funny enough, the, the, the postal worker guy, mm-hmm. that's the voice of Optimus Primal. my problem is is they just i think they didn't write quinn's character to be they're trying to say he's a soldier he feels more like a mercenary and then they're kind of doing the well he's fighting for your freedom i'm like you've kind of shown me that he's a mercenary you're not showing me that he's a soldier well they his character and again this is a credit to his performance they do a good job of keeping him gray Mm -hmm. where it's like he's good with his son you can tell he's a decent guy but there's scenes where they let him cut loose and mm. let him be awful. Yeah. Like when a like when he's getting beat up in the barn, he's like, you know, I lied to my kid. Like I am actually going to enjoy well, killing killing you guys. two guys. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. Like I feel that they earned that. Where mm-hmm. it's like they're not afraid to show that. Yeah, he is a cold blooded killer, but he's also a dad. He's also a dad. Um, if he had a puppy then he would be all would be forgiven <laughs> pretty much uh absolutely <laughs> um so yeah so now we get to the ending which is um so we're in a lab boyd's in dress uniform with a beret and everything yeah. for no real reason no. um and then the guy from japanese guy from daredevil <laughs> shows oh. up <laughs> and uh 
walks him through a lab and uh it's revealed that rory works in the lab and has yep. a desk and everything it's- i have my, my notes written down uh rory has shook off his autism and is gainfully employed <laughs> for the u.s government using his autistic super geniusness yeah that's no, what he i was telling kyle on the car ride home that uh i feel like this scene was filmed very far apart from the rest of the movie because jacob tremblay's performance in this scene like all of his autistic quirks and stuff are just mm-hmm. gone like, yeah, he seems like a completely normal well-adjusted kid well, one of the things I, I meant to bring up with uh him being autistic so it is a spectrum and if his character is very low on the spectrum maybe you have something here but the fact that they're putting in um a really unique skill like this is something that is shown in um people who have um, autism there is certain things that they can do very well um, generally has to do like I've, in my experience what I've read about is arithmetic they're really good at uh, remembering um, like I think I told you that the person who can remember the most of pi mm-hmm. is somebody who has autism and the way they think about it is in like a, a, a rolling hills kind of thing like <laughs> zero to nine would be the different um, oh. the different hills basically um, and that's that's it's a really incredible thing they have uh, really super, like this really super way of remembering um, but that affects a a very tiny portion. Yeah, in this instance, it's, it comes across as hackneyed and borderline exploitative. It, I agree. Where it's like, it's just, imagine you're a writer and you just read like a science journal or something about like about an article about somebody mm-hmm. extraordinary like that. And you're yeah. like, well, that sounds like a fun concept for a character. Throw it in there. That may, that date, I feel like that's what one of the things that dates this and makes it feel like a mid-2000s movie. And this kid looks like he should have a Capri Sun and Fruit Gushers. Just like, oh, hey, Dad, I'm just kind of fucking around with well, the computer I mean, it, it, it's not too far a stretch. I mean, given that both Shane Black and Fred Decker both had their heyday in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both still active, obviously, yeah. but the, the most of their good work came from a different decade, a different time. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, so we have what looks like a sarcophagus, which is bringing flashbacks of Mummy 2017. Oh, yeah. Um, this is better than that, though. I'll so this it. was something that was apparently left for us uh, by the lab predator. Yes. Um, and coincidentally, they're just opening it when uh, when Quinn is showing up at the lab. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just a little warehouse. We're just going to open up this alien technology here. Yeah. In front of the kid. No blast. No, nothing nothing like uh nothing yeah. sterilizing you know, it yeah or... no the this whole sequence felt very rushed and cheap like maybe it was an afterthought because the set design was far inferior to the lab we saw earlier like the lab was dressed up like, do you remember what they did to et he'd been <laughs> living with a family and they're like get that fucking thing quarantined <laughs> that thing is disgusting yeah they're get like, that sentient turd into quarantine get him the fuck out of here and yeah. like this thing they're like just gonna see what happens yeah, yeah. and just they just kind of let this thing open up and uh <laughs> it you can't really tell what it is when it first opens it, it has like it goo on it it's goo and it hovers and i'm like i thought honestly i forgot i thought it was gonna be xenomorph <laughs> i swear to god i'm like that would have been such a hilarious fuck you to the audience yeah that would have been that would have been the thing i'm like i see the goo and i'm like i think this might be a xenomorph i think see, I, I think that was intentional in some ways because the goo is very similar to their like saliva and stuff. Yeah, but that would have been such an awesome fuck you to the audience though. Like, because imagine it's like it's like a double cross or something. Yeah. Where it's like you humans are no fuck more. You, you're not yeah. useful to us anymore. So we're gonna leave you to the aliens. Pretty much. <laughs> Just, I well, that's what the goo is in um, Prometheus. Is that 
Yeah. That black goo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a different, better movie, that would have been the case. Yeah. But and we glossed over it, but the Apex Predator is apparently part of some plot involving climate change where the predators are aware that we as a species are dying out which is which is supposed to explain why they're visiting us more often to harvest us and then there's even like a line tossed out there that maybe they want to take over earth yeah they're gonna let us die then take over yeah so i mean that ending would have fed into that where it's like yeah. it's an extermination tool just like kill all the people with aliens and then like bomb the planners <laughs> well, how this movie ends there's definitely a sequel set up um, if you want to go ahead and explain the ending please so um, it turns out that this uh, gooey biomechanical what's it um is a toy <laughs> yeah, it, um it latches on to a random scientist it like flies out of its sarcophagus <laughs> thing and it latches itself onto this guy, and then it Iron Man's him. It Iron Man's it him. It Predator Iron Man's him. Ironically, uh, somebody who directed this film directed an Iron Man film. Uh-huh. Um, and that might have been the one that introduced that... Uh, that was the one that had the uh, compartmentalized like armors. The one, Or is it the Avengers that introduced it, where it's like... It, like he has like the button, and it comes up around him. Well, that was in... That was in the earlier movies, but the third one was the one that had like the segmented armor, where oh, okay. individual yeah, 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 pieces yeah. of it could attach one at a time. Yeah. And yeah, um, describe we, the suit. It looks like Mechagodzilla if it was a predator. Yeah. Like it's even gray with yeah. red eyes, and it has like gun gun turrets built into the back. Twenty fucking guns. It looks like something a eight year old would draw in their in their math textbook. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a predator, but it's a mecha predator. Do you want to say what the, I think, probably top five worst line in the movie is? Oh, the ending? Yeah. It's like, um, Japanese guy asks, what is that? And Mr. Boyd Holbrook says, that's my new suit. Hope they got in a 42 long credits. Oh, man. So, real quick, so we both could see that editing was the problem with this movie um, oh yeah no i pointed out a couple instances where just scenes just end yeah like it just trails off into nothing i honestly think that this movie is better than avp and i think that if we get the director's cut like how this movie was actually supposed to play out i think it could be better i think it yeah. could have been better than predators probably i have a feeling that there is going to be a not a director's cut but a extended cut <laughs> an extended cut um i was pointing out to kyle just on my my dvd shelf alone like avp requiem the wolverine deadpool 2 x-men uh days of future past all of these are 20th century fox dvds that have extended cuts. And, the extended and these cuts have all are, been released in the past 10 years or whatever. And would you say the extended cuts are better than the original cuts? Um, for most of For these? the most part, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Wolverine especially. Yeah, I I don't know which of those movies I've seen. I've seen Deadpool Logan. 2, I, I kind of feel like it's not as good. Oh. I feel like um, the opening sequence, the opening montage yeah. is greatly enhanced. Oh, really? Well, that scene in the Japanese like yeah, bathhouse I love, I really like is that. like three times as long. And right. the choreography is stellar. We're definitely However, they, they do drop the 9 to 5. Okay. Which is unfortunate. That, yeah, that, that's... Th- that, I mean, that that's why the extended cut didn't make the theaters. Because for editing purposes, it made more sense to play that whole scene along with the, the song. I can't wait till we do that one. <laughs> so much fun. But yeah, I, I have a feeling we are going to get an extended cut. That isn't going to fix the structure issues, but we probably are going to get some more violence. 
probably some more swears. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I mentioned that this was a troubled production. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well documented that there were a lot of reshoots of the climax of this movie. Yes. I'm not sure if that means the stuff in the woods at night. Um, I did hear that one of the sequences, I'm guessing it was the woods at night, um, was originally daytime. filmed in the daytime. And okay. the reshoots were the stuff that happened at night, which may explain why all those night scenes were very rushed. And there may have been an even better death for Sterling, Sterling K. Brown. There may have been an actual death. An actual death. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I have a sneaking suspicion that was exactly the sequence. Like Tom Jane, Key and, like Keegan-Michael Key, um, that all felt really rushed and was just blazed through. Um, and then also there's production photos of a, of a, t- at least two more Predators riding in a... Uh, yeah, armored vehicle that. riding yeah. in an armored vehicle with our heroes riding alongside them and in fact there's a shot in the trailers for this movie that I actually really like that it looks like it's on a bus or something but it may have been that same armored vehicle mm-hmm. it's just a, a sweeping tracking shot of Boy- Boyd Holbrook holding an assault rifle in the daytime looking Shoot. looking kind of intense and it's a good shot but I didn't see it in the movie okay. so it may have been one of those daytime scenes that didn't make the cut or something well, yeah, there, apparently there were more good guy predators that didn't make the cut, which is kind of fucked up. Well, one of the things we try to do on this uh, on this program is uh, we try to we try to highlight the positives, and we definitely picked this thing apart, which we try not picked to it do. To the bones, yeah. We picked it to the bone, but we both I had a lot invested in this, and we both love the predator movies. Absolutely, so, uh, I feel like it's deserved. I feel like we're allowed to do that. But I want to go back to what I really liked about it. Mm. Um, I liked, I disliked this more than I liked it, but I love the predator lab scene. I like, actually, I'd say the first 25, 30 minutes of the movie are good. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I feel like the second half is where things start to just go nuts and get all over the place. And honestly, it could just be an editing issue. It might become a better movie once we get the extended scenes. I'll probably buy it on Blu-ray if they're like, yeah, extended cut, it's it's a little bit better. I'm, I'm almost willing to bet money that they will do that. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, there's no better tactic for getting people to buy a movie that didn't do well in theaters. Yeah. than to tease them with something that they didn't get the first time. We unfucked this movie for you on Blu-ray. <laughs> no no joke. Like That's that's what uh, Days of Future Past was supposed to be. Oh, man. I mean, the entire character of Rogue was removed from the movie for the theatrical version. And I cannot stress enough, this movie is very funny. It is. It's very funny. And Sterling K. Brown is... I hope he gets to do more stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I'd love so to see that. funny. No, I'd was, love to see him. I was laughing at him in the trailer today again. <laughs> no, he, he's got a, a layered character that's very funny. Like, and His laugh. Also, somewhat... <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, no, he, his performance was extraordinary. Yeah. Like, like I give him tip of the hat, man. If you're, if you're a Predator fan, you should absolutely watch it, just so you can be angry at it and still enjoy the good parts no, if you're a big enough fan just hearing that music and seeing a helicopter will do it for you yeah <laughs> i mean honestly yeah. and then you get the lab scene you get some decent gore if as long as you don't think about it too much it's actually pretty entertaining from moment to moment yeah just go for the ride yeah that's that was the thing is i just stuck out a little bit more in this movie like the problem stuck out a bit more well it's because it tried more yeah Predator, the, the charm of the first Predator movie is how simple it is. This one is trying to do the Rogue One thing where it's like we're trying to fill in these gaps that nobody was asking to be filled. We don't need it filled. So actually, real quick, we, we got to... This is a long one. I'm sorry about this. But uh, before we got to um, 
before we got to the theater, it hit me. I'm like, what would like? I was asking like, what would make a good oh yeah predator movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, and I don't know if you're listening to this, if you would like this, but a predator movie where listen up, Fox, listen up, I've got one for you, um, where we capture a predator. And it does escape, but it has none of its technology, and it has to try to survive and get off this planet with just nothing but itself. So it's first blood with a predator. First blood with a predator, pretty much. A naked predator, all scared out there, and nothing gets better. It yeah, never gets is better. he gonna is he gonna throw the the tirade at the end and yell about Vietnam? Yeah, basically. Oh, that would be great. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh. Uh, Fun, fun fact about the subtitles in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a few subtitles when the Predators are chatting. Mm-hmm. Um, Chit-chatting. They use, like, gigantic lettering. Just texting, for... yo mama, you up? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> no, I mean, um, so the, the text on the screen is gigantic. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's maybe for the, the Walmart people. Like, Well, you got to think about your fan base here. Like, yeah. Some of these nerds are from the 80s and yeah. they're old then. But, um... I want to say the font is copper plate. It is. It's a uh, copper plate gothic bolt, which, exactly which I call the, the steakhouse font because oh. <laughs> you see it on every restaurant menu ever. The end credits, I saw them like copper cl- copper plate gothic bolt. Yeah, uh, no. As, yeah. as soon as I saw that, I was like cracking up. I was like, okay, the predators talking like the most conventional font possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they should have spoken like Comic Sans or something. So right. yeah, on uh, that note, I guess we're done. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, yeah. Turn your brain off and just just try to enjoy it. Just try to enjoy it. That's it. really all you can do. We were pretty harsh. I'll probably watch it again. I will. I'll, I'll probably, probably buy it. it. I'll, I'm gonna say. I'm I mean, I have gonna, all the other ones. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna own it on Blu-ray most likely. But yeah, yeah. better than AVP, 100. percent Okay. Yeah, I um, think that's it. Okay. Okay.